Hello everyone, welcome to XYZ Podcast. I'm Gary and welcome to another episode of XYZ Podcast. Uh, it's been a while since the last episode um, because I was like busy with other things else and uh, I thought it's, it's quite an opportunate, it's a very uh, fortunate opportunity to invite Edward Tan from uh, Spaceman Studio. He's currently based in um, China and I thought it would be very interesting to know a Malaysian designer who is currently working in China. It's not just, I mean, because as I know, a lot of people are actually working in China, like, you know, big firms, but uh, most of them are actually working as the architecture assistant. Um, but I thought it would be great to invite Edward to, to share his thought because he is actually the founder and principal designer in Spaceman Studio. Um, very interesting portfolio because as I know, he's working in Shanghai for a while. Um, so he's gained his experience and knowledge um, vastly in China and I thought to invite him to share about his works and, her, uh, and the studio's works and also what I thought it would be very interesting to you know to hear his perspective on his personal experience as well as how do we see you know in the uh, perhaps in the future of young designers who wish to set up their own practice and also to see what's the point of view on new you know Chinese market especially you as we know it's like the economy is growing rapidly in China I mean it's not just in China I believe that in in Taiwan in Hong Kong or in Singapore as well so there are actually a lot of development going on there so without further ado hi Edward how are you hi Gary I'm good I'm good how are you great thanks a lot for joining us and uh, I I was like looking at the Instagram uh, Spaceman Studio this morning I believe you just visited a site or something no, it's actually my team. My team went to Hangzhou last week. Uh, we have a project there, and uh, it's a museum project. It's a brand museum ah. for Joe Yang, a Chinese brand. Yeah, so they went to take out, take a check, take an inspection for all the mock-ups on site. I'm actually in KL. Mm. Oh, you are not in KL. <laughs> so yeah, you're back I've in KL, KL first. Ah. Yeah, I mean, I, so, I've been KL since last January actually at Joe Yang, so it's about one and a half years. But I'm, I'm, I'm quite, maybe I can throw the first question is I'm quite amazed with this uh, dynamic where even though you are in KL, we, you are still able to work online. So how is it the dynamic going on? I think everybody have, has had to adapt you know, because of the COVID, uh, the new norms. Uh, I'm fortunate enough because my team uh, and I have been working for quite some time, my, my core team. So I have been traveling back mm. and forth to Malaysia for the past maybe 10 years. So I do spend a fair bit of time in Malaysia. Every time I come back, I spend about a month. So we've been having this uh, process of uh, working through the phone or online for mm. quite some time already. Mm. But of course, not as uh, a long period as uh, this one and a half years. But uh, mm. yeah, the initial six months was tough. But I think after that, we everybody got to adapt to it. So every morning it's uh, voice calls, uh, video calls, my team, you know. So yeah, it's just constant communication. In fact, you know, actually because of this COVID, uh, I have had to adapt and then we had the chance to connect more with my, my team, you know, through uh, video sharing and stuff like that, you know. So I think mm. it's a blessing in disguise. And at the same time, I get to spend some time at home, you know. So that's kind of nice as well. Mm. So so it seems like you are actually... I mean, for some people, they are actually mixed like work from home and then plus maybe two days in office for meetings. But for you, it's like, seems like a totally work from home. And and I'm quite surprised, yeah. you know, Edward is actually a very uh, hardworking person. When I was like emailing him, he said even he works on Sunday and Saturday. So it seems like this kind of a very uh, delicate uh, attitude to work. I, I believe because like Spaceman is a very, I would say it's a young emerging uh, design studio. 
it was found it was founded in uh, 2000, 2014 which is actually considered quite young um I, I mean like how do you see the development so far like from 2014 is it started off just by yourself and then after that now we have um other four partners right uh no so when i first started off uh, in 2014 you know i wouldn't even call it a company back then it was just me myself you know uh going around looking for projects and stuff like that so it was just uh the first year was actually a learning process for me you know coming up from a company to setting up your own you know i there are a lot of things that you don't learn they don't teach you in school they don't teach you in the company you know so the finance mm. how to get projects you know contracts and stuff like that so the first year first year and a half actually was more of figuring out uh, your foundations you know getting the team together getting clients so yeah the first year was my formative year i think that was kind of um, yeah a struggle at first but it was a fun process i i learned a lot mm. And yeah, and then uh, as we moved along, you know, we uh, the, I have two more associate partners actually in Shanghai. There's a Shanghainese and there's another Malaysian. Uh, his mm. name is also Edward, the Malaysian. Yeah, he's an architect. Um, <laughs> mm. studied in Taylor's. Uh, went to UK. So he I met him in Shanghai. So he's been with the, my Shanghainese associate partner has been working with me for seven years. Uh, six uh, mm-hmm. six years or six years since the first year actually, and then Edward has been working with me for past I think four and a half years. Yeah, four and a half mm. years. So yeah, I think. We have a, we have a very strong team there, a strong connection. So yeah, yeah, that's how that's how we can maintain this uh long distance relationship. You know, <laughs> long distance. Yeah. Okay, lah. Like yeah. But I'm I'm sure it's uh, it's more than uh in- <laughs> sweet sweet memories. I would say. Um. Yeah. I I just thought. Okay. I mean, maybe I can ask one last question before the pre- uh, sharing presentation sure. by yourself. Um. How many staff actually in your office now? We have nine staff in Shanghai right now, and then two in mm. KL. Yes. Oh, okay. Which, which including yourself? Yeah, yeah. In the KL team, it's actually me and another designer. I see. But but, but most of yeah. the projects are actually located in in China, right? Uh, most of it. So since of course COVID, uh, I've been back here, so I've had time to actually go and uh, do some networking, talk to mm. some old friends, you know. At the same time, I've been approached by some uh, some. Uh, Companies and developers you not know, to work on their projects here as well. So we do have a couple of projects here as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, yeah, we've been fortunate enough during even during COVID times. Yeah, we've had uh, some uh, form of uh, new projects coming in and inquiries. So yeah, we've been. I mean, it's, it's a kind of a blessing, you know. And I'm I'm very happy to actually finally work on some projects in Malaysia as well. Yeah, and mm-hmm. at the same time, China side, yeah, it's been going okay. Uh, we've been lucky as well because even during the COVID times, we've been having inquiries uh, last year. Mm. So yeah, yeah. So we've been blessed. Both sides, we do have some projects as well. Okay, cool. Thanks a lot, Edward. Um, later on, we can definitely talk more about it because I'm also very curious. How do you manage? You know, especially uh, a practice working in different countries and also how it works from you know economic kind of a sector and also perspective uh, and also the prospect in a way that how do you see the developing a practice I think those are things that you know like you said a lot of things that you know school didn't teach us about it so I think we can learn this uh, I hope this right. podcast will be definitely um, beneficial for a lot of young practices so Edward, uh, without yeah, further ado, I I will, so. yeah. yeah I hope that you can you, you can see my screen and then you can start off with yes, the presentation yeah sure sure yes so we are a space band. Um, we're based in uh, Shanghai and KL, like Gary said. Um, we are storytellers of space. We we like to use space to create a narrative uh, and create journeys. So 
we design spaces that kind of invoke certain memories you know, that take people on journeys on as these spatial stories unfold step by step like a story. Uh, we are very driven by curiosity and the studio is always constantly looking for new ideas, concepts, and we're kind of pushing the boundaries with new materials, new narratives. So we actually do a lot of uh, brand architecture. What, what we call brand architecture is uh, building for corporate clients, you know, when they have a, mm. a, a corporate uh, branding and identity, and then we develop that into and transform that ideology into kind of unique, one-of-a-kind spatial experiences that tell stories. Uh. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So I've been in uh, Shanghai since 2010. Uh, I was working for a retail company. Um, so that was actually one of my formative years when I before I graduated, actually, I went to do an internship in Shanghai for two months. Mm. And uh, I thought it was just a quick two months. I'll come back for my graduation. But that two months ended up to be six months. Six months became two years. Two years became now, it's, I think, my 12th year there. So, mm. yeah, the time has passed. So I actually missed my graduation uh, while working. So for my internship, I went to straight for a full, uh, a full contract. So then I, I just skipped my graduation and went full on into employment. Then, yeah, right. then from then in Shanghai, I actually, uh, my company uh, expanded, my previous company, sorry, I expanded and they had projects in London. So they actually sent me to London as well to work on projects and to set up a team there. So while setting up the team there, I realized that uh, I wanted to come back, you know, because I was kind of exhausted that the four years that I was working, because while I was working in Shanghai, I had to run the London team as well. So there was like the nighttime, you know, nighttime yeah. uh, to operate the, the, the meetings and all that. So when I went to London, I had to uh, work in the mornings and work at night as well because the Shanghai team wakes up at night. <laughs> okay, all right. So I think uh, so when I attended my resignation, I gave uh, five months uh, lead time, you know, to kind of hand over all the projects. But then in the five months, started to get some inquiries on uh, some small projects. Then I started to do small, small projects here and there on the side. And then hence, mm. uh, that mm. was what kind of manifested the idea to start up Spaceman Studio, Spaceman in uh, Shanghai in 2014. Right. So, sorry if I may chip in. Do you mind if I ask, like, you, you studied in Malaysia, is it? Or, or you, start, you studied in Shanghai and then after that you interned there, is it? No. So, I studied in uh, KL. So, I was studying in Lincoln ah. first. I, yeah, I started studying in Kowing, uh, doing a diploma. Then the final year of my diploma, I actually went to Taylor's. I moved to Taylor's because I, I thought that I wanted to go to Melbourne. So yeah, ah. and then, yeah. So while after I finished my diploma in Taylor's, uh, I had a, I thought I'd take up some time to go and do some internship. So I had an opportunity to work in this uh, company in Shanghai. You know, it's a retail company, but they do interior and interior architecture. So I thought, mm -hmm. you know, two months, you know, it's a good break, you know, it's a good experience. Why not? So I went for it. And then, like I said, uh, just now, two months became six months, became uh, two years. And I, I got, I fell in love with the idea of um, that, the rapid pace of Shanghai, you know. Mm -hmm. The two months that I was there, I remember, because um, they threw me in, the, you know, because I was only English-speaking designer there. And I, I actually don't, I couldn't speak Chinese when I first went there. I couldn't speak ah. Mandarin at all. So when I went there, um, so happened the client, from the, the UK, yeah. so I was the translator per se, you know, so they, they threw me in all the meetings with the clients and the clients were British, so they could only speak uh, uh, English. English, so right, they had right. to connect, to talk to the, yeah, so they had to talk to, they wanted to translate their ideas and all that, so they got me over, Edward, please come here, so I 
as a translator and you know, I did sketches and all that, you know. So I remembered very vividly, you know, the, the, the few sketches of the lights that I was trying to um, understand what the client wanted. And then within two weeks, I saw mock-ups of the light. And then within oh. another um, uh, three, three or four weeks, I remember uh, my sketch was turned, another sketch of a uh, fixture for the retail store. The mock-up was already built again. I had to go visit the factory just before I finished my, my two month stint. And I realized that, wow, the, the pace is quite amazing. You know, mm, and I realized mm. that I was quite addictive and I, and I fell for that. So I said, you know what, let me extend my, my stay. You know, this is a very invaluable experience. And mm, I also mm. wanted to see the projects that I was sort of working on to see it through, you know, and then, yeah, from one project become two projects and then you get involved with three projects. And also it was quite, it was quite a great experience. And that, that was really my formative years because uh, the, the clients, you know, they were all, um, working on fashion retail and also they, they had immense knowledge on fashion and branding. Mm. So mm. when I first started off, you know, my, my, like I said, my formative years, my first few years, you know, I was a blank canvas, right? I went inside, you know, and speaking to them, having all these deep conversations about history and the culture, because we're working on men's, men's, uh, menswear and British are one of the well, most well-known for um, men's uh, formal wear. So mm. we're working on brands on, sa- on several Number one, several uh, gifts of halls, mm. uh, Ken and Kerwin, you know. So all these very, very rich and historically rich and uh, uh, with very, very vast established, history. You know? yeah. So for me, yeah, established. So I started looking deeper and deeper, diving into it, you know, understanding what, what these brands represent. And also at, at the same time, the clients were sharing what they want for the future. So the past, the present and the future. And you know? also it's that, that, that genesis of uh, learning and also that kind of, form my ideas of uh, brand architecture. That's what I, I do right now. So mm-hmm. yeah, I've uh, used knowledge to what I have now. And then I kind of um, study new clients, study the brand, study the background, you know, where they're going. And also then from there, we form ideas and concepts, explore materials that relate to the brand. Yeah, so that's actually how I kind of developed my style. And I learned a lot from those few years in Shanghai. Mm. That's uh, very true because I was talking to a friend who is currently working in London. Um, he also said that working with the, the, the Chinese designers or manufacturer, they are actually very quick. So <laughs> technically kind of expecting you to come up with the solution pretty fast and so that they can come up with the mock-up pretty quick. And perhaps I'm not surprised because uh, before that already viral some videos saying that, you know, you can build a skyscrapers in, I don't know, within months instead of years. So I believe that later on we can talk more about it, you know, about how to, you know, yes. work effectively in, in, uh, in the context where uh, the pace so fast um, okay, so maybe we can look at the future projects as well. Sure. So this is... Yeah, maybe okay. you can go to... The, yeah. So this is one of uh, our few brand museums that we're working on right now. So what uh, a brand museum consists of is actually... Um, it's like a showroom together with a discussion area together with a sales center. So uh, this particular project, Vasan, Vasan is actually one of the biggest, or if not the biggest, PVC uh, pipe manufacturers in China. Mm. So they do all kinds of pipes, yes, all kinds of pipes. You know, so uh, our showroom, you know, um, again, you know, we went to extensive research into the brands. They had over, I think, four thousand inventory of uh, products from different sizes, different colors, different materials. So we go through an extensive discussion with the clients as well. And we came up with, maybe we can go back to the previous slide, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So for, uh, this is the introduction space. Uh, we 
we actually use up to about 4,000 uh, PVC pipes in this space. So actually mm. what you see, this concave, uh, we call it the ice castle, uh, it's actually all um, built using their own products. So mm. the whole space is actually using only their own products. So, you know, this kind of resonates. We, the, actually, the whole idea behind the Vasan Experience Center is called Limitless. Uh, mm. The reason we call it Limitless is because this PVC pipe is something that is usually uh, concealed, you know, hidden works, you know, but we kind of um, brought it out into a different perspective, you know, showcasing it in an artistic manner. So as what you can see here is that instead of uh, hiding and concealing in the typical showrooms, we kind of brought it out as the highlight, you know, because mm. uh, hiding, uh, installing lights on top above the, the PPC pipes, kind of lumin keep creating this luminosity, you know, these icicles hanging from the, the ceiling. So, yeah, so this is actually one of our ongoing projects now, just started uh, construction. Uh, mm. I think should comp uh, seeing completion um, in the year end. Yeah, because I noticed the one of the Instagram photos showing the material mood board as well so with the yeah. with the white yes, color yes. pvc pipe so i guess is this project right yes yes correct so you see at the bottom here so the, the this is the r and d section r and d center for the um center so again on the left here you see this pavilion this curved pavilion here again it's using a different profile of pipes okay so we create this uh, uh circular space you know goes in, going up and upstairs as well using all of the materials. So, you know, again, you know, we try really try to learn and understand where the client comes from, what they can do, what their, their, their manufacturing capabilities are, you know, and yeah, of course, studying the history. So yeah, then that's how we develop and maybe um, use some of the products or maybe uh, highlight some of their, their spaces. You know, instead of just showcasing them in a very, uh, very straightforward kind of showroom mm. space, we use the, the materials as a building material itself. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, so I, I, I guess there is, I don't know, it's just, it's very interesting. I mean, before that, it seems to be, you know, aesthetic and, and the structure are, seems to be two different things. But even though, I mean, of course, the PVC is not the, you know, the main support, but somehow it merged into this, you, you mentioned it's an ice castle where, you know, it flows into, you know, almost invisible where you don't see the structure. It looks like it's all supporting by the, yeah, yeah. the PVC yeah. pipes. Yeah. So this one is the yeah. museum that yeah. you mentioned, right? The the this morning. Yeah, this the, is also a brand museum. Yeah, correct. Yeah, this morning, yeah, you saw on Instagram uh, last week they went to Hangzhou. So the facade that you saw is actually the panels here. So this is actually Zhou Yang. They are uh, electronics appliances brand in uh, uh, China, and they're based in Hangzhou. So this is actually their Hangzhou headquarters. So this is going to this is going to be their um, design museum as well as their design center as well. So Joe Young, the, the, the Joe Young's uh, symbol is actually the sun. So as you can see on top, the logo is the mm. sun. So uh, we used perforation, you know, the different kinds of sizes of perforation. Again, uh, using that that uh, logo as um, a manifestation for the concept, you know, for the, the very simple, clean structure for the facade. And then we develop that into our um, uh, clean structure here. Okay. Yep. So the sales and, yeah. So uh, again, you know, we created a very uh, clean palette of materials, you know, using orange as a highlight. So whenever there's orange, you know, that kind of drives the, the circulation and the focus. So at the bottom here, we see the, the orange staircase. This is actually the check-in space for the experience center. For the check-in, you know, it's like a journey to the sun. So as you move up, you know, you go to up to this um, semi uh, a dome space where it's actually all full of uh, multimedia screen, so the kind of uh, introduction space upstairs, then they move on to um, the, the, um, 
science center where they have all the showcase of the technology and all the development of their products on the right here you see it's actually the, the walkway of uh, the archive walkway so you can mm. see from the left here on the top here they are actually showcasing one of the very very first soybean making machines from mm. uh, 1992 so yeah or, yeah or even before that so they showcase from day one uh, the products uh, on, on the right yeah. So this yeah, this yeah. this is one. Yeah, exactly. So th this uh, archive uh, walkway, you know, they will showcase from uh, the first the day one products to what they are today, transformation step by step. You know, so again, punctuated by the orange. So it's always that uh, that the essence. You know, now of course on the left is the retail center downstairs. Mm -hmm. yeah, so we, yeah, we we do a lot of um, brand museums because yeah, I think uh, the clients come in and ask us to want us to kind of. Uh, take a deep dive into their brand and uh, to kind of understand where they are, where they are, what they have done, you know, and then kind of slowly kind of create a narrative and a storytelling space. Hmm. Yeah, it's under construction now. I think we will be also seeing completion in uh, I think end year or January, hopefully. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, this is the NECC, the National Exhibition Convention Center in Shanghai. So actually, uh, this is a very simple concept, actually. So the whole exhibition center from the master plan is actually based on the four-leaf clover. So from the four-leaf clover uh, concept, we actually kind of uh, extracted that idea. And as you can see on the structure that we have here, this ribbon, this red ribbon here, mm. uh, we call it the, it's actually called, it's actually um, abstract composition for or a red flag. And you know? also we actually, instead of using a flag, we use, mm. The four leaf clover as a uh, as a pattern, and as you can see, it's actually an aluminum surface, and we have repetition. So we created this red flag based on the uh, the four leaf clover. So the, the the reverse side is actually aluminum, and the one side is actually red to represent that Chinese flag. So it's actually kind of uh, using the red flag as a representative of China, and then at the same time, of course, the four leaf clover that uh, represents this whole uh, master plan and this space. So this space is actually. Um, a showroom for this exhibition center. People, will, the, the buyers will come in and, and understand how big the space is, how much exhibition center do they have, and then they come mm. in and then they will understand and then they will start talking to the salespeople. So yeah, we kind of developed a very simple uh, structure that kind of wraps around the whole space that kind of carries the circulation and the, the sales center. So it's a very simple, uh, very direct uh, uh, concept. That we developed. Right. So, so kind this... of touches on the, yeah, the high. Yeah, this showroom is the it's much more on the is it the building or it's much more on interior? This is an interior actually. This is the interior of this is actually a showroom inside the National Exhibition Convention Center. Ah, it's a I small see, I see. Uh, 300 square meters. Yeah. Yeah, four, 390 about 400 square meters. Yeah, it's inside within this whole space. Mm -hmm. Okay, because I, I noticed the including the ceiling by the the before that i, I be, i'm not sure about the before the, the the status what is it looks like because now the ceiling that you also design right where this kind of fluidity um white ceiling so this is designed by by you and then the pavilion at, at the end as well right yes yes correct ah i see yes okay. yes the whole space the, from the facade the store entrance yeah the showroom entrance on the bottom left here the interior space of this whole showroom is all done by us, actually. I see. Okay. 
That's that's interesting because I'm I'm curious to know about the NEC itself, NECC itself, how is it looks like, and perhaps there is some contrast that you created there. Maybe it's a I don't know. I, I haven't really checked out the the convention center. Maybe it's a boxy design, and then you yeah, add in you, this kind of. As you can see, as you can see at the bottom, at the bottom here on the left, can you see yeah. bottom left corner, the logo. Yeah. The logo is actually the master plan uh, of the the whole uh, project. So that's actually what the uh, the whole building uh, the convention center looks like from uh, on top so we kind of extracted the, the architecture the logo and the branding all in one ah, and we created the... this uh, pavilion i see okay yes this logo yeah so maybe we can move on to this one this is in us <laughs> okay that's now now we are moving venture into the us now yeah the golden guy is a very um fun concept that we worked on um so we actually looked to the future for this project because um, the clients came in and said that they wanted um, to build a Japanese restaurant that had uh, a, a robotayaki, a sake lounge, and a yakiniku space, and a speakeasy inside. So at the same time, they did not want a very generic uh, Japanese Zen-like restaurant. Mm. They wanted to something that is more playful, you know? Um, so the reference like steampunk and stuff like that. And then uh, we also looked into movies for, for ideas. So mm. what before we generated the idea, we, we again, uh, we studied a lot of film. Uh, if, you, if you are not sure if you're familiar with the um, Scarlett Johansson movie called Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell, right. Yes, yes. So if you're familiar with it, no, uh, there's a scene where there was, uh, they're walking into a restaurant and there's uh, these robotic geishas walking across this uh, platform of uh, lighter glass that kind right. of uh, represents uh, tatami, you know, and then they walk into another uh, long table, you know, and then everything is it's Japanese in essence but it's very futuristic, you know, very right, right. yeah, so we actually kind of uh, reference that a lot in, in this project, you know, so we wanted to kind of um, design a restaurant that would be built in Tokyo 2013 perhaps, you know, mm. maybe in uh, 20 years time or, or, or 40 years time, you know, so we use a lot of uh, Japanese elements, okay, very generic Japanese elements, but it kind of uh, added a uh, little flair to them, you know. So even on top, you see, you know, uh, we usually see these kind of um, red banners, right, uh, right, in those Japanese restaurants. But yeah, we we, we kind of uh, play with this curvilinear space. We use uh, actually a metallic chain for this this concept, and then on top right there, you see again the floor. You know, instead of a very generic tatami floor, we use uh, lighted frosted glass on top at the bottom, you know. Mm. So it kind of creates this lightness. And then uh, on the bottom left here as well, you can see, you know, uh, the basic screens, you know, we kind of rotated it 45 degrees, you know. So it kind of create to give this edge to the space. As you can see, even the table, the, the wood grains, you know, we kind of uh, tilted it 45 degrees again, just to kind of disorientate, you know, your, your, your basic understanding of Japanese design. And then, mm. of course, on the right, we had this, um, we created this ghost-like uh, character for this space, you know. So we, we created a very... Uh, interesting story uh, a back alley japanese uh, geisha ghost so mm. the bar you know we actually from the before you enter this space you actually go through um, a japanese arcade you know arcade uh, in japan in a way you can play games and all that so it's actually a hidden door and then from there you enter this um, little passageway very very dark very uh, very uh, intimate as you walk in and progress and you come into this ghostly like space you know so what you see in the center is actually uh, about a few thousand LEDs uh, that kind of rep, 
uh, create this three-dimensional, four-dimensional um, um, ghost-like uh, feature that always uh, moves around and mm. as you see the ghost face. Yeah, so so it's a kind of like a high-tech uh, speakeasy bar. Mm. So again, yeah, all, all these very generic Japanese elements, you know, we kind of give it a little uh, futuristic touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the floor reminds me one of the scene in John Wick. <laughs> he was like yeah. at the fighting at the glass, uh, with the glass wall yeah, and all. Yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, like Blade Runner, you know, um, Ghost in the Shell, uh, all these kind of movies. You can see mm. in the back there, you know, in the red, on the top here, the, the long table at the back, you know, we also reference a lot of um, Japanese graffiti artists, you know. So, yeah, so we, you better give something like a steampunk element to it, you know, something mm. fun, something, yeah. Something edgy, right? Right. I think that's also perhaps that's also re- a, a a response to, um, you know, clients like like you say, it's a brand architecture and also the reflection of the identity and branding as well. So there yeah. is a very very obvious touch and also taste in a way because I mean, I I I'm not sure. Perhaps later on we can talk more about it because it seems to be like I mean a lot of people might think this is very literal, but it's easier for people to digest as well. You're trying to create this kind of a taste for um, mass, mass crowd, I would say. So there is this uh, very straightforward and literal or even generic elements, like you said, it's going to be much more, you know, there is no guessing. It's, it's straight in your face that you can un- you can digest it very quickly. So yes. now we have a sales galleries, experience center, showroom. So this one is quite interesting. I was quite... Quite intrigued by this one, which is a Go A hundred. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, this this one was quite an interesting brief because um they are a new platform, uh, a new membership club membership. So the, the I'll talk about a bit about the client first. Uh, they are actually um high end consulting uh um membership uh, mm. brand. So uh the nouveau rich the the new rich of Chinese people, you know, the new family that comes by with uh, new money. A lot of them don't know how to spend their money, don't know how to invest, don't know how to send their school, their kids overseas. Um, yeah, so and don't know where to spend the money. So they actually this club, this membership, this company uh, is set up where they you join. They provide all kinds of consulting. They give you fi- finance consulting. If your kids want to go to NYU. They can give you a path and they guide you along the way. If you want to buy a sports car, they have a selection of sports cars that you can rent based on their membership, supercars, super yachts, uh, private jets. So it's a space for VVVVIPs. Right. So yeah, yeah. So they wanted to create a very um, discreet and very uh, high-tech, cutting-edge, ultra-exclusive um clubhouse and showroom that can sell their, their, their products. So what we used here, we kind of experimented and played around with uh, the idea of a bamboo garden. You know, so the bamboo garden, we kind of um, extracted those elements, you know, and created this uh, modernist uh, approach to the garden. So as you can see on the left here, what we use is actually acrylic, um, acrylic tubes. So mm. we had two kinds of uh, so-called bamboo. We have the clear acrylic on the left, and then we have the brass, uh, fluted brass on the right. So um, we have two kinds of gas. You can maybe go to the next slide. As you can see here, you know, um, we have two kinds of circulation. Uh, one from the left, uh, I think as you can see here, we, we have uh, new customers coming in from the main entrance. And then the second route will be from the back where the, the crystal uh, acrylic tubes were coming from. So that's where the, the, the existing customers will come in. 
So for the new guests, the reason why we use scooted bras, you know, is to create this uh, very discreet, very intimate journey. So this little corridor, you know, this uh, brass bamboo garden, you know, come in, you know, it kind of filters out everything as the salesperson leads the VIP guests into the space. Whereas on the other side, as you can see at the far end where we have the acrylic tubes, um, existing customers come in, they are greeted with this uh, transparent bamboo garden, you know, and lot, this, this, that view over there is actually facing the windows and there will have a lot of sunshine coming in. Hence, that's why we use the kind of uh, transparent uh, bamboo garden coming in, you know, they get a lot of ample, ample um, uh, sunlight coming in. So, you know, we have this plate of uh, um, brass and this uh, transparent materials together, but again, it's the same, uh, same kind of uh, synergy. Mm. Yeah. So the, this space, you know, because they also have a retail section, so they have a selection of Japanese and Korean and uh, imported American products here that are not really sold in the market. So uh, what they have is that the customers can come in, they can look at the products on the shelves, they can bring the, shelf, bring the product to the screen on the counter in the middle there, they actually have an RFID card for each product. So they can just tap their membership card or their uh, QR code, and then they can select what they want. And those products can be uh, charged to their card and then sent to their home. So they do not have to carry anything home at all. So it's kind of mm. that uh, yeah, exclusive service that they can provide. So yeah, we created we crisscross retail and a high-tech multimeter system all together in one. Mm. So again, you can see here, you know, we, uh, on the top left, uh, that's actually the secondary entrance. So that's actually the lift lobby. So this actually leads to the basement car park. So the, the, the existing customers come in, they come into this uh, crystal glass space, you know, lots of sunlight during the day. So it's actually a lounge at the back of the, the lift lobby there. So people can mm. sit down and wait for their turns or they can of course go to the bar. So on the right hand side here, there's actually a bar. Again, uh, we have lined the walls with the acrylic tube, that our bamboo forest per se. Yeah. So at the bottom left, that's where the main entrance comes in. You know? So you can, you can see this curved language, this uh, fluted brass kind of leads people in. You know? So you do not see anything from the front entrance. So you have to navigate and kind of discreetly explore all the way to the back before you actually get to the, the retail space, the showrooms and the, the discussion areas. Hmm. It was quite I, a fun project. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I really like the, the the photo, the image on the right hand side. It looks like you know crop out the, the another side. It's actually not because because of the alignment of the ceiling and the floor floor alignment, the flooring as well. Yeah. So yeah. it looks like a crop out image like a portal to another so, view. Yeah. So interesting anything about that particular image, you can see you know, the, the the combination of materiality, you know, from the crystal uh, acrylic tubes. As you can then you go further and further deeper in, you come across the fluted brass, you know. So you do not see a very clear uh, line of vision all the way inside. So you really have to navigate and explore the space by yourself, you know, mm. to actually see what's inside. So yeah, that's kind of what we wanted to create uh, this discrete passageway, you know, that's very uh, exclusive, you know, so that the guests do not bump into each other at all. So this space, right, is only by appointment. So they do not have a crisscross of uh, new customers or, or, or previous customers. So they, they have everything sorted out in very well time. So yeah, that's the reason why we kind of created this very uh, intimate space. Mm, okay, right. Okay, this is another one which is quite interesting one. I, I think this yeah. is the most uh, significant one because of the white color, single palette uh, color yeah. it somehow dominates along the way in the interior. <laughs> I think one thing is that um, if you actually, this, this street in Shanghai 
actually right. is uh, they call it a furniture street, you know. So they have a lot of uh, furniture malls. So mm. the whole malls is um, full of different kind of uh, furniture brands, and also the reason why we went with something so minimalist, you know, is because the whole row is full of um, shops with uh, colorful posters, I see, uh, I vibrant see. windows, and all that, you know. So we wanted to go stay away from that and, and kind of create this serene and very zen-like space, you know. So this hence this white facade. You know, we, we took quite a while to actually um, convince the client to go this way because they they also kind of um, stuck with the norm where they had a when you have a logo at the bottom and you have a big poster at the top mm. to maximize your sales frontage, you know. So we really had to sell it hard to the client saying that you know we should stay away to kind of stand out. By standing out, we do less. Mm -hmm. So this is actually what it is. So uh, one of our concepts for this space is actually like a vortex, you know, like a mm -hmm. vortex where the water kind of uh, pulls you in, you know. So this is actually why this this clean palette and then the staircase, you know, kind of sucks you in, you know. So we want to draw people in from the, the whole busy street. So yeah, I think uh, in a way, that's kind of what the, the minimalist and, and very clean palette did for the, the whole project. And of course, it's actually reflective of the brand as well, you know. Um, just hire their um, a tech company, a high-tech appliances company, mm. uh, venturing into smart home technology and all that. So everything is very slick. Uh, all the materials are very clean. So, you know, we kind of base that off their, their products and their branding. Mm. Yeah, like I said, um, we wanted to create a, a vortex per se. You can see the staircase, you know, kind of... Um, brings people in upstairs to the showrooms and then this uh, drop down of this curved uh, element that we had, you know, so it's kind of this real, uh, tilted ring that kind of draws people in. At mm. the same time, our ceilings, you know, we kind of covered it in a mirror. So it's like this uh, vortex in this water-like uh, element in the ceiling. So it's like this floating material. So we just mm. wanted everything to be focused onto the staircase and, and, and draw and draw people in. So, um, one of the key things that the client wanted was that they wanted to highlight uh, some form of nature in the space. Mm. You know, they wanted to kind of, yeah, along this whole busy intersection of uh, furniture shops, you know, so they wanted to create this zen-like space, you know. So what did we do? We punctuated all the retail spaces with uh, lots of greens. So on the top right, you can see there, you know, it's actually a kind of um, a rest area before people kind of go into the showroom, you know, just to sit down to play their phones because... The whole showroom is about uh, 3,200 square meters. That's about 32,000 square feet. Mm. So it's a big space, you know. So yeah, we, we give, uh, and then a lot of people come with kids. So the, we give uh, ample amount of time and uh, small pocket areas and niches, you know, for the kids to kind of uh, relax, reset a little bit before they enter the showroom. So on the left as well, you know, we kind of created this very um, uh, tranquil and very serene-like um, uh, visual from inside the toilet and of course outside as well. So you can see the bathtub actually mm. having a view of the tree outside you know so it's kind of giving this very serene very uh tranquil space inside a busy busy retail area mm. I, I quite like this uh angle wall so it's like a it's like a i, yeah, I don't know of, like... yeah we wanted to draw the attention to the center and to the to the, bath, the bathtub area yeah it reminds me of the kobuzier ronsham windows <laughs> it's like a draw-in kind of a window yes, yes, and then... yes. I, I guess i guess perhaps they have uh in inadvertently kind of um uh, inspired me in some ways, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I really like this uh, color palette where you know all white and somehow give this kind of very, it, it it's not striking though. I mean, it's quite naturally introduced. It's quite subtle, but then it's because of the contrast of the color. But somehow it becomes like a focus. So this this photo is actually combined, isn't it? I mean, it's 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 one. No, it's photo. not. It's not. 
So it's actually it's one the photo, whole showroom. Yeah. yeah, it's one photo. It's actually the whole showroom, the whole the whole showroom. So on the left is actually the master bed, but the master bathroom, and on the right is actually the the master bedroom. And ah. outside here is actually a a a full balcony, you know, the fake balcony outside. So yeah, they have the washing machine outside. They have a little uh corridor balcony space, you know, overlooking outside. So you can see on top there, they have this uh rack there for hanging as well. So yeah, it's a full. It's a complete house inside the showroom. Itself. Right, right, right. So it's a, technically taking out a floor plan from a show house and try to implement that in, correct, into, correct. into the lot. Yes. Right, right, right. Yes, exactly. Okay. So this is this is the con oh, this is the same one, right? Yeah. Yeah, so this is uh, the view from inside from within the showroom. So on the top right there, you know, this is the view from inside where you saw that curved angled wall. So yeah, looking outwards, you know, we, we created this very serene, very uh, zen-like space, you know. So again, always punctuated by, by nature. So also the whole, the whole showroom, you know, we actually kind of try to minimize um, having too many partitions. So instead of partitions, you can see on the left here, mm. on the left here, this is actually the main corridor coming in from the main door. So the spot of green plants there is actually the partition for the bathtub on the right-hand side here. Can you see that? Yes, this is actually the yeah. front side. And then on the right-hand side, the far right top picture, that's where the, the plants are kind of uh, sitting. Oh, right. Yep, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we kind of punctuated a lot of um, spaces and, and kind of uh, crisscrossed them uh, using a lot of greenery and uh, openings. So they kind of can give this breeding, breeding space, you know. Right, right, right. So is, is right. most of the boundaries are trying to be softened in a way. It's not like solid wall. So there will be yes, like, yes, yeah, yes. plants... Okay, so this is this is contrast with oh, this is different from the previous project. I mean, it's still so this is, higher. This is in, this is in Beijing. Yes, this is higher. So actually, what we we, we actually started working on this, um, just at the at the peak of COVID in China. Oh. So yeah, the brief actually kind of um changed uh and evolved along the way because at the point of time, you no, know, we are uh, nobody knew what what to ex expect and anticipate. You no, know, but the clients, you know, I must give credit to them. You know, uh, even during this, uh, despite those times, they kind of uh, persevered and pushed on. It was taxing on everybody because we were, they were constantly changing ideas, directions. So initially, this space was supposed to be another experience center, like what we did uh, before. But along the way, they changed it, uh, changed the brief uh, to accommodate uh, more live streaming. You know, live streaming is actually very big in China. You know, there's part of very very big mm. part of the retail uh, platform. So uh, and everybody buys things online in China. So what they did was they created a platform, a showroom space that allows for live streaming. So people come in, those uh, influencers, those KOLs, and the KOL, they'll come in here and then they will come in and do their reviews. So it's lots and ah. lots of small podcast rooms, a lot of live streaming areas. So it's actually um, uh, a combination of retail and uh, live streaming space. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. So we kind of, uh, we extracted some of the, the language for the internet of things. So, and uh, online shopping, you can see the language, you know, the, the pixelated language is actually kind of mm. showing that, that interface of the online service. You know, so it's like, again, this uh, very clean uh, white palette, but again, uh, yeah, just touching on the, the high tech side of the, the, the brand, you know. So a lot, again, on the bottom right here, see, we have a lot of these kind of small little intimate rooms for interviews and uh, live ah. streaming. So a lot of, yeah, the KOLs will come in, they will look at their products, the higher products, they will review them uh, right away. And then people actually do, a lot of Chinese consumers will buy things there. It's a massive, massive market. 
so yeah, they do, we create this kind of a platform for these uh, uh, people to come in and do a lot of uh, these kind of things. So uh, we're punctuated with on the left here, you know, like a little um, R and R spot, you know, it's just uh, sitting under the tree, you know, to, to to rest, you know. So it's a transition space between the upstairs and downstairs. So we create a lot of these kind of uh, niches for people to rest. Yeah, uh, Mango yes. Auto Home. Yeah, one of our again one of our earlier projects when we, we first started off. Uh, again. Um, very interesting brief because they wanted to do something that was never been done before. So they 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 actually um, a company that sells um automobile automobile cars and also the accessories. So they wanted to create a space that is like IKEA for cars. You know, so IKEA mm. actually don't really just sell furniture; they sell a lot of accessories. You know, so and then everything is online. So the key thing here was that they wanted to go O to O to O. Online to offline to online. So what it means mm. by offline to online to uh, off, online to offline to online again means that they want to attract the online customers to come in and experience things and then go back home and buy things. So no purchases will be done in this experience center actually. So mm. that is one of the key challenges, of course. And the whole space is actually an abandoned exp- uh, convention center. So it's about 20,000 mm. square meters. And one of the challenges that we actually experienced is that had to complete the project from design to construction in 90 days, 90 to 92 days. Oh, including so that's why, design. that's why the so containers come in. Very tight. Exactly, exactly. So we actually use about 87 uh, containers of various sizes, uh, all manufactured in Guangzhou. So we kind of uh, created this multiplicity concept, you know, this uh, mini city within a city. So using all these containers, you know, we created a uh, small little niches and different zones and different cities within itself. So to kind of uh, represent uh, the urban living, uh, countryside living, and different kinds of things, different kinds of areas using these containers. So the, the facade as well is like this Lego-like uh, concept that kind of represents the containers again, you know. So yeah, and of course, uh, Mango Auto, Mango TV was one of the partners. That's why we had this yellow, mm. orange, uh, green concept. You know? So they wanted that to be a representative of the, the, the brand. So as you can see here, we use different colors for different zones, for different uh, so, so-called cities. So we have the red, when we have the red, we have um, urban uh, camping uh, camping site. So it's very outdoorish. Then we have it in the orange, we have um, urban city living, basketball court, you know, um, uh, bicycles and things. So again, they try to target uh, different people with different kinds of lifestyles, with different cars and different accessories and all kinds of things. So it's a very interesting project because of the really, really tight time frame. Hmm. I mean, I, I really, because before that, I was uh, working on a container project as well. I mean, but I didn't, oh. didn't expect these containers uh, could go so far. For example, like the orange one, you could, you could cut like this. Um, of course, the, the containers, they are basically just the framework where you can see this is the frame. And then, but I didn't expect you could, the, 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 the infill, the infill sheet could, could, could go until this uh, level, which is very interesting to see. I mean, yeah. of course, the, the advantage of container is because it's all uh, kind of like prefabricated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we so prefabricated everything within 30 days in Guangzhou, shipped over within 10 days. So we were left with about two weeks on site to kind of uh, assemble everything and, and uh, put together everything, all the soft decoration, all the cars mm. and everything. So it was a very, very tight time frame. It was very challenging and taxing for my team. But uh, yeah, I think we, we managed to pull off uh, quite a, a decent project. It was, it was quite mm. a fun learning process as well. It was my first right. time working with containers, understanding the, the, the limitations and the, of course, the opportunities, the containers and stuff. It was, it was quite a very eye-opening project for me. Mm. 
Like, like you mentioned, this uh, convention center, it was uh, abandoned, isn't it, before that? It was yes, unused, yes. right? So I this is the convention. Right. Correct, 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 yeah. So those are, are those the existing one or uh, refurbished again? or? Uh, we just cleaned it up. We cleaned it up because, again, 90 days, you know, we don't have a lot of time. Right, so right, we right. So we just uh, cleaned it up, installed new lights in the ceilings, and then, uh, yeah, uh, did the groundworks for our, our uh, min, uh, multiple city uh, concept. And then we I see. Um, assembled all the containers on site. Okay, that's interesting. And uh, I mean, there must be a lot of uh, restless nights. <laughs> Uh, okay, yeah. I mean, when it comes to hospitality, uh, for, for some people might be very familiar with this image, uh, which is actually uh, Aicha Chateau, right? So I, yes, I hope yes. I pronounce it yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Aicha Chateau. So uh, contrary to the name, actually, they are actually a tea, tea lounge. So they serve Chinese tea. So they serve Chinese tea and of course they serve a lot of food as well, Western foods, uh, pastas, uh, stuff like that. So the reason why we came out with this concept actually um, was because the client came to us with, um, the site was about 140 square meters within uh, a colonial building, okay? So there were a lot of restrictions. There were no windows as well. And mm. in China, you know, um, there are a lot of restrictions in terms of building materials. So for, for example, in the, for the ceiling materials, you need to have uh, A-grade fire-resistant materials. So you cannot use things like fabrics and stuff like that. Or even if you have certain fabrics, it has to be of certain um, uh, uh, requirements. So we had to be very um, kind of uh, adaptable because the client wanted to use, to use very natural elements. As they said, they wanted some greens and, and they wanted, because to them, tea is about nat the, nat the nature and you know, the natural elements. So how we kind of depicted that was that because our clients went to their, one of their tea factories in Longjing. You know, they took pictures, of, took pictures of one of their tea fields. And uh, on the tea fields, if you see the tea fields, you know, there's this curvature uh, on the uh, topography. You know? So actually what right. it is, is, what you're looking at is actually a um, rotated version of the topography of uh, the tea fields. So we kind of interpreted that nature, that natural element into something abstract and artistic into a, into a sculptural piece in the ceiling. Uh, and the reason why we used um, the aluminum chains, the anodized aluminum chains, is because of the fire resistance uh, restrictions. So yeah, I kind mm. of created this, um, yeah, yeah, this uh, curve-like uh, installation for the ceiling that also became um, kind of this uh, partitions for the different spaces. And like on the right here, we have a kind of a semi-private uh, table for four. So mm. actually the, the chains actually kind of uh, create this uh, small little intimate space. Mm. As well, as you can see in the middle of the space, you know, we, had, we had this very uh, obstructive column right mm. in the middle. So yeah, so we use that as an opportunity to kind of create this cascading uh, uh, chains coming down uh, to kind of mask the thing instead of, uh, yeah. So instead of it being an obstruction, we kind of use it to create the highlight. I think that's, um, yeah, one of the more iconic uh, sides of the space. So as you can see, mm. actually a very, uh, yeah, it's an old building. It's actually an old government building. So this whole development is actually built, uh, it's, a shop, it's a shopping center, it's actually built around this old, old, old buildings in China. So there were so many restrictions with the facade as well. So no screws, no nails on the facade, no paint at all. So we had to create uh, a, a small little structure that can be inserted right into the, the structure without touching mm. any of the existing structure or the bricks as well. So, and as well as the interior, you know, they're confined to a 140 square meter space. So that's why we kind of 
we thought they wanted to create um, a transportive uh, interior design so people can come in and kind of get lost in the space, you know. So that was what we wanted to do. I think, yeah, mm. the, 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 the goal-like elements kind of, yeah, bring people away, you know. I think that was one of the, the key things that we wanted to highlight in the space. Mm. So technically, you have to design another separate uh, so-called ceiling system to install your ceiling pieces, isn't it? Because you can't drill, you can't put correct, on something. Correct, correct. You... So, yeah, so we just created a very simple aluminum uh, frame structure within so to hang our aluminum uh, uh. chains. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, nothing touching the ceiling as well, you know. So it was quite... Uh, the, the good thing about the chains is that it's because it's, uh, first of all, it's fire retardant. And it's also actually quite lightweight. So mm. the only thing that was very tedious was that the, the contractors had to kind of uh, do it DIY, you know, one by one, you know, to kind of uh, create uh, this curve. So we actually printed out mm. to scale one by uh, one to one on paper, you know, and laid it out. And then they had to kind of lay the chains one by one, one by one, one by one. Ah. And it, yeah, it took them about one and a half weeks on the site to kind of lay all the chains. We used about, I think, 30,000 uh, 30, feet worth of uh, gold chains for the, for right. the interior. Yeah. yeah, because from from the I mean maybe some of you might notice this project from Arc Daily, right? My thought is a yeah. fabric, right? But but it's actually a chain link. So yeah. every single ring is actually like a pixelated uh, uh pixel pieces that actually combine together to form at each each curve, yeah. right? So I mean it's a quite yeah. a labor ex- extensive, but the result is actually quite good. <laughs> I, th- I think, you know, in China, because they're very strict with a lot of um, uh, requirements for building materials. So even like, for example, Gold 800, the project you saw just now, the reason why we use a lot of these kind of um, modern materials, you know, contemporary materials to kind of uh, represent or depict uh, nature elements, you know, is because of the fire restrictions. We had to be kind of, uh, we had to adapt in a way where we can use something else to represent um, our concept. So yeah, for example, mm. here that 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 T field topography, you know, how do we represent that? You know, my clients wanted to have a, a green element or natural element without having using fake plants. You said no fake plants, but mm. there's no windows here, mm. so we had to be innovative in a way. You know, so same thing with Go Eight Hundred as well. You know that they wanted um something uh, green and something very grand. You know, so yeah, again, you know, we created that that kind of bamboo garden uh, element into the space. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. This is so. This is gonna be looks like in the night time. Yeah, yeah. So um, again, you know, we kind of studied the brand as well. So you can see from the facade, you know, we this is actually the front uh, takeaway tea house. Um, it's actually Japanese tea, you know, when you have the brush, you know, when you uh, you turn the brush. Right. So actually, our structure here is actually uh, an abstract interpretation of that, you know. So the kind of twisting ah. motion of the brush. Yeah, the tea brush. Oh, yeah, the clients. We always go to the client's uh, shop to have tea and all that. So it's again, you know, just a deep conversation with the clients. And they showed a lot of things and also a lot of the equipment that they use. So from then on, you know, we studied some of the, uh, the equipment and then we came up with um, uh, a concept and uh, a facade structure that kind of uh, resonates with the brand. So on the right here, right. you know, the chains, yeah, kind of create this um, very intimate space without uh, having any structure because the space is quite small. So mm. having the chains, even though it comes down to a kind of eye level, you know, because it's a chain, you know, even if you graze it with your head or you touch it with the hand, it's, it's not mm. solid. So I think that was something that's um, quite fun with the project. We encourage people to touch it. So unlike like fabrics and stuff, fabrics, you know, when people pull it or tug it, you know, you kind of uh, you dirty the chain. So this actually, I think I saw one of the comments on, um, I think it was it uh, Design Boom or something, something saying, some user was asking whether is it um, easy to maintain this this particular material because there's so many layers. Mm. So I, I think uh, yeah, 
the reason for me to use this is because of the easy maintenance, because you just need to use a, a feather duster or something to kind of dust off the dust. It doesn't get mm. dirty, you know. So yeah, the color doesn't fade. So I think that's one of the main reasons to use this material. Mm-hmm. And also, I think yeah. the good thing, uh, of course, like you say, it won't get rusty as well. I mean, it's uh, yeah. it's a chain link. But yeah, yeah I, I could sh- if I can share one funny story about the project, you know. So, uh, after I proposed the idea to my client, that actually the client actually dropped me. He said that have uh, have you ever done this before? Uh, have have anybody else done this before? I said no, I don't think so. <laughs> I didn't, uh, you know, in China, you know, they want to see a reference. Uh, I want to see a reference, you know, is there uh, something that's been done before so I can see? Or at least a mock-up, right? That's, that's not the case. Yeah, or a mock-up, I said, unfortunately, that's not the case. And how many feet did you want to order? I said 30,000. At first, it was 40,000, I think. So we actually kind of uh, brought it down a little bit. So they were kind of skeptical. So they actually dropped me and went for a different designer at first. And then uh, the project, yeah, so I thought that, okay, you know what? Not too bad, you know? So they came back to me after four months. After four months, I remember it was October. They came back to me and said, Edward, um, are you confident with the project? I mean, with the design? I said, yeah, I mean, pretty much, you know. I mean, <laughs> but at the point in time, you know, the truth is I've never, I've never used this material before, you know. As as you can see in a lot of my projects, you know, a lot of times, like the, 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 the containers, the acrylic tubes, you know, these materials I've never used before. I've only ordered them online. They came to my office and I looked at them and then I've explored in my office or in my, in my factory together with my contractors, you know. So other than that, I've never used them, and that's the whole point of of me proposing the ideas. Is because mm. it's new, you know. But yeah, the, the so the thing is that with clients, you know, sometimes I understand because it's risky to spend X amount of money on a budget on something that you not you're not sure, or even the the the, the designer is not sure. So that's mm. one of the challenges with something sometimes pushing the boundaries with new new materials or new concepts, you know. Right. I, I maybe I can chip in once. Um, I I'm not sure will it be relevant or not the question because I just thought. Is this uh, cafe, is it part of the franchise store? So meaning to say, do they have something that already similar uh, types of use or program? And then this is kind of like a special one where you have um, things or design that is kind of deviate or different from other branches. Uh, no, no, this is definitely a one-off. They are a franchise, uh, tea franchise, but uh, this is actually definitely a one-off. So they were initially supposed to, yeah, we were in negotiation to do another one. Uh, of course, to kind of um, develop further on this concept. Yeah, so we're still in negotiation with the client. I think the client is looking for a suitable location. But uh, yeah, we're still I in see. negotiation, yeah. But this is definitely a one-off for now. So we've not done it uh, any other place or, or the client has never used um, elements like this. All the, all the ideas <laughs> the concepts are yeah. brand new. Yeah, they, before this, they were very, I mean, um, uh, meat and potatoes kind of uh, tea shop, you know, very standard kind of cafe-like space. So this is actually a bit different. They also told me that they wanted to serve more high-end food as well. They have steaks, they have seafood, lobsters here. So they wanted to create something more premium compared to what they had before. So yeah, so I think that's kind of why we went for this direction. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I think that's that's a more, I would say, is a significant work. Uh, a lot of people might say it's a, it's a famous work from, from a Spaceman Studio. I mean, maybe a lot of people didn't notice that's actually from Spaceman. So I'm actually quite lucky to, to interview the designer behind this project. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah. So this one, a charcoal. So this is another a-charcoal. project. That is, yeah, a yeah, charcoal. Yeah, so, okay. yeah, a charcoal. So they are a Yakaniku restaurant in uh, Shanghai. The owners actually, uh, one of the owners actually, actually Angela Baby. And uh, ah. I'm not sure if the husband, yeah, but she's just a minority shareholder. But yeah, the group, uh, a bunch of Hong Kong people. So 
they were looking to open um, premium Yakuniku Japanese restaurant. So, and their key thing was that they imported all their charcoal from Bhutan. So they only use a specific grade of charcoal in all their barbecues. So even things like their soap, their um, dispensers in the toilet, they use a charcoal brand for their soaps. Everything is about charcoal. So we kind of use that um, ideology to kind of develop the, the, whole, the whole concept and the brand. And of course, touching a lot of all those Japanese elements. So from the facade, as you can see on our left and right here, the main entrance. So we used um, black uh, cheddar wood um, and um, created this um, portal entrance. So mm. because this project is actually um, situated in a hotel, it's in Portman, Shanghai. Uh, Portman did not allow, again, fire restrictions with all the building mm. materials. They did not allow anything that uh, would be uh, easily uh, set on fire. So the facade, we actually used uh, black charred black cheddar wood and used them to create uh, molds to, to create cement blocks. So what you see actually on the left and right here, the sides mm. here, are actually cement. So we actually used cement wow. to create this, uh, this timber-like uh, finish so yeah, to create this kind of charcoal-like um, uh, um, portal entrance into the space. And of course, we also, I think we can go to the next slide as well. Yeah, so we kind of uh, played around with um, the Chidori uh, Japanese toy, you know, this kind of- uh, Joineries. Uh, mm. Joineries, yeah. So in the whole the whole space, you know, we only used this Chidori uh, um, uh, joinery element and created all the partitions and all the, the framework for all the rooms as well. So it's quite a fun project in, in terms of exploration. Mm. Yeah, and then again, uh, a lot of the teapots and all these kind of soft decor is actually from uh, the owner's own um, collection as well. So I think they, this mm. one is some, yeah, one of the owners collected it from Japan and then they wanted to highlight it. So it's quite a fun, uh, interesting project as well. Mm. I, I can see that there is a lot of uh, repetitive, uh, I mean, if compared to the previous, some of the works, as I noticed, there are a lot of repetitive elements. I mean, like the PVC tubes. And also now we can see the timber, which is a lot of because of repetitive. Uh, I mean, it reminds me of Kengo Kuma, this kind of, uh, you know, by, by using a similar, just one element, but somehow create a very immersive, like you said, um, environment and also the experience. Perhaps later yeah. we can talk more about that because it seems to be, I mean, it's not all the projects they are implying the same direction but it seems to be like you are very the, the studio is very flexible into other um i i wouldn't say style but rather different kind of uh, strategy i would say is a i mean it's a it's a very yeah. interesting project I think it's yeah. because because we are a very young studio and also for me even for me you know like each project is like a new project it's a new learning process mm. so for me mm. i enjoy the process of learning and exploring new ideas new materials uh, new ways to develop uh, concepts you know so for me I, I believe I'm fluid in that sense. At the same time, you know, I'm open to new, 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 new kind of uh, concepts or whatever for my, my team, for my clients, you know. Mm. I think it's a, it's a sense of exploration. It's, quite, it's a fun process to me. Like, I enjoy that. Like. Right, right. I, I can see how enjoyed you are with playing around with the different materials. Um, and also the program-wise, later on we can talk more about it because it seems yeah. to be they are actually quote-unquote invention of diff, uh, a new program, a new typology. For example, like, you know, like you mentioned the the higher uh, experience museum or center, they are actually cater for live streaming. This is definitely new things. Back in like 10 years ago, we definitely didn't see that live streaming could be a big thing. 
Um, so yeah. this is tea life. I didn't know the the Chinese name called cha malai. It's uh, something <laughs> reflecting the Malay Malay Malaysian uh, identity inside. Yeah, yeah. So our uh, Malaysian tea juggernaut, you know, they're venturing into the China market as well. So we developed the brand, uh, the the concept with the brand as well. So it's actually a play on actually, if you can see on the bar counter, it's actually their uniform and uh, one of their branding um, um elements. So this uh, colorful camouflage element is the representative of the different flavors, different uh, fluids, all the different kind of teas. So we use that as one of the, the key uh, um, concept, uh, concept development ideas. And then we kind of created mm-hmm. this liquid-like form structure on the ceiling you know, that kind of represents, again, very much uh, with their uniform and their whole brand identity. You know? mm. Yeah, it's a very simple, very straightforward concept. Yeah. So this is also including the color scheme as well? Or is, yeah, I mean, yeah, the color, I mean, yeah. Yeah, the color scheme is actually based on their corporate identity. Like I said, you know, the, the camouflage is actually very uh, also very clear on the uniform, the, the, the staff uniform and all that. So together with the uniforms and the brand identity, the cups, you know, the takeaway cups, the design. So yeah, we kind of depict the ideas from all, all these kind of elements into the, the, the architecture elements in our space. Mm-hmm. So this is the another. Is this the metal sheet? It's perforated metal sheet actually. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So actually, that's me on the left there, and uh, my associate partner Edward here. Ah, okay. That's Edward yeah. uh, Chan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we we took the pictures at night in the middle of the night. So there were no staff there. <laughs> so we wanted to show show the space, and also it was like another fun photo shoot for us. <laughs> so now you are part of the model as well. <laughs> I, yeah, mean, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, I mean, a lot of yeah. Yeah, yeah, a lot sorry. of times, you know, our photo shoots are at night, in the middle of the night. Sometimes we, we usually go for no no people in the photos, but sometimes there has the need for, for someone to be inside. So yeah, we, we just have to make mm. do. Mm. Oh, so, okay, okay. Then I just realized this is a mirror. Yeah, it's so a mirror, yeah. <laughs> I was like, hey, how come four yeah. people? Okay. It's a very... <laughs> It's a very small space, actually 30 square meters as well. It's a very mm. odd triangle space as well. So yeah, it was quite a challenging project in the sense, but it was quite, quite, quite fun. Mm, it's almost like a booth. It's very small. It's just like... Yeah, very just small. just a counter small, sitting yeah. area. Yeah. Correct, correct. Oh, this is... I, I'm quite surprised with this one because I always thought, you know, like uh, franchise restaurant, for example, like, you know, fast food, especially, you know, the design always could be quite quite um, generic or quite typical, quite conventional, but this one is kind of like bringing to another level. Perhaps in this uh, context, w- would you mind to tell us about like working with, you know, big brands, for example, like fast food? Uh, what are the boundaries, you know, working that, you know, because I, I think, you know, fast food, they definitely they need to preserve a very strong sense of uh, corporate identity, but this one is sort of like try to venture out a bit to the, you know, try to challenge the boundary and limitations. So we work we worked with Yum China since two thousand and seventeen. This was our mm. very first project with uh, them. So they we're working with them. You know they are a big group. They have hundreds of shops openings every year. Uh, they have Pizza Hut under their brand as well, Taco Bell, mm. and a few other Chinese brands. So yeah, they have a big corporation. They have a very strong structure. Every year they have a new development. But what we do with them is actually creating new special stores. So they come to us mm. uh, with um, specific briefs um, that says that, okay, we have this context is located in Hangzhou. Um, please feel free to explore, you know? So we will look into the space and then we will look into the, the, the location, the context, and then we see how we can develop an idea. So this particular store is actually 
very interesting because it's about 90 meters long, but only, as you can see on the right-hand side here, it's only about um, a little under three meters wide. So it's about 90 meters oh. by, by three meters. Yeah, and it goes around the corner and uh, broken up by with two sets of staircases in between. So it was quite challenging, but um, yeah, me and my team um, developed an idea where we kind of um, referenced the placa steps in uh, Athens, you know, so where people can dine and uh, relax and enjoy on the steps itself, you know, so kind of creating this very, very long and unusual space, but kind of incorporating that family-friendly uh, um, seating and uh, change of levels in the space. Yeah, so it's mm. kind of fun process. At the same time, of course, again, using a lot of their brand elements to create all kinds of graphics and things like that. So mm. working with, with brands like this, you know, it, it's a play on interior design, graphic design, uh, and of course, spatial design. So it's, it's, it's fun in the sense, but it's quite challenging as well. Yeah, so mm. because it's um, 90 meters long, so we had to develop many, many kinds of uh, seating modules you know, so that it won't get boring. You know, it's not just long stretches of um, seats, normal regular seats and all that. So yeah, you can see from uh, playful seatings to waiting seats to exploring to the placa steps, you know. So uh, we've punctuated with lots of greens, we have a shading space, you know, we have observing window seats, uh, single-seater dating seats. So you know, it's, it's just a fun play on all kinds of seating typologies, you know. So yeah, with, with brands like that, you know, with uh, KFC or Yum China, you know, they gave us um, a lot of room to go and explore, you know, with, even within, within their boundaries, they had their set of uh, graphic design packages and, and uh, color tones and all that. But in terms of concept and the spatial concepts, we were free to develop all kinds of ideas. So as you can see here, yeah, we, mm. we went, for, yeah, we can, can they allow us a lot of uh, flexibility in terms of uh, creativity. Mm. Yeah. So as you can see, yeah, all the graphic play and all that, you know, all the, all the materials, uh, all very standard KFC materials, but we try to try to be playful and creative with it. So even like, for example, the top left there, you know, we, uh, with the penny towel uh, flooring, we, we inserted like uh, order and collect there and all the graphics, you know, so we use a lot of um, building materials to create the graphics onto the floor kind of three dimensionally, mm. you know, so it was, yeah, it's always been fun working with them. They are very open to new ideas. Mm. Yeah. So but we only do special stores, which are this one off special kind of uh, locations, locales. Yeah, so, so do, you, do you mind if I ask like in Hangzhou itself, does it mean that only one special store or they are actually like lesser, like two or oh, three? Oh no, we have, we have done, I think, three special stores in Hangzhou. We have done in Zhengzhou. We have, we have done quite a few uh, stores for uh, KFC, mm. uh, KFC over the few, past few years, yeah. All okay. different concepts. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. So it, I mean, like, when, when let's say we compare that by ratios from special store to the typical one, maybe one to hundred or one to fifty, something like that. Maybe one to one to one to twenty, one to thirty, one to ah, uh, one to around, twenty. Uh, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. So this is another. This is this is the one yeah. I think. If I notice, it's located opposite the Burger King or something, right? I, I'm not sure, I can't remember, but uh, this oh. was one of the very first projects that actually, because um, I was, as you started off, my, I started off my studio, you know, I was mm. always constantly exploring ways to, to kind of create your own identity, you know, to understand where your, your skill sets are and, and what, mm. what suits you, you know, what your palette and things like that. So I remember very uh, clearly, you know, this was one of the projects that actually, I kind of let go of all these constraints and, uh, went for something fun that I thought mm. fun, you know. So yeah, the, the client was actually a very good friend. Um, 
we've been working with them for I think three or three or four projects. So this was actually the, the third project already. So the, the concept was um, because this location is located in the B2 floor, basement mm. two, in um uh mixed use building. So next to it they had a huge, huge co-working space. Uh, about I think three floors worth of co-working studios. Okay, that was the start of the boom of the co-working spaces. So this this cafe was in the basement two floor in the shopping district area. So uh, we had a, again a conversation with clients saying that you know what what can attract people in this office space. You know office dwellers. You're stuck all day in the office. You know you want mm. to get out. You know mm. and then so we are basement two. So what what can we do? You know so we wanted to again play on this uh, the nature element. You know so we. We wanted to create a space that felt like you were dining under a tree, under a canopy, mm. you know, in a forest canopy, you know. So, so we created this timber batons, you know, the ceiling, you know, that kind of gives this uh, very natural warmth, you know. So again, it's a very much a cafe, but when you go inside, you know, it's literally like you're sitting under a forest canopy dining, you know. So it's just kind mm. of this, you can just zone out and relax, you know. Instead of uh, being stuck in the basement, you get lost mm. in the cafe space, even though mm. it's a very small confined space. Yeah, we wanted to kind of represent that in a very, in an abstract interpretation again, you know, not so direct, but yeah, something fun and, and uh, something that can be transportive. Mm-hmm. I, I noticed there is a, I mean, obvious, obviously, like 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 we mentioned, um, the studio placement has, was, was founded in two, uh, 2014. So this project was yeah. in 2016, which is considered quite early, one of the earliest works. And there is a, actually yeah. a, a sign to showing that there is a, a uh, there is a passion, there is a love for repetitive uh, elements in here. I wonder what is your reflection now after you revisit this project after perhaps five years now? I think um, during the start of my, my company, you know, um, even for me, you know, back then, you know, I had a very limited experience because I came from a retail background. You know, I only did fashion retail stores. So coming mm. out to venture, you know, the reason why I started my firm was because I wanted to explore different kinds of uh, typology of projects. I wanted to do houses, I wanted to do offices, I wanted to mm. do F&B, hospitality, but yeah. So the first two years, of course, was uh, more of a sense of uh, exploration, mm. finding my way. You know? So of course, with small studios, you know, with no portfolio, you know, so you can only look for smaller projects. So, and smaller projects means smaller budgets. So mm-hmm. with uh, your tight constraints, small spaces, you know, what can you do? So yeah, I think from then it kind of developed um, a confidence in, in what I, I, I could pull off within the constraints that of the budget and then the spaces. Mm-hmm. You know, so from then, yeah, you can see what you can develop. And then I, I think from then, that's how I kind of developed um, by accident, I guess, um, this kind of um, maybe would you say a style or a way of yeah, how I kind of develop concepts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. It, so, there must yeah there must be a lot of reflection and also um lessons and also values that you know you wish I mean, I mean later on we can share more about it because along the way um like you said plus uh I mean not just about the time that you have spent in in working on on your own uh, studio and also plus the rapid the the rapid and also the speed of you know working on each project there must be a lot of things that already layered in a studio yeah. so I, I i think it somehow is it seems like working for five years but it technically feels like you were working for eight years because the amount of the workload that you or have more, been working on yeah more, you know yeah it felt longer you know that first four years you know in shanghai was was jam-packed you know i was 
working the daytime, nighttime, I was learning Chinese, trying to learn Chinese myself. Uh. Same time doing research on my own, you know, away from the work times, you know, because I, I mean, I just graduated, you know, a lot of things were still new. Uh. But um, yeah, back then, like I said, you know, I was thrown into the deep end with the clients because I was the only speak English speaking guy in the office. Mm. So the clients keep drawing ideas. And so that I, I, I had to study at night myself, do research, uh, learn a lot of things in Chinese again. You know? So that first four years felt maybe like eight or 10 years <laughs> because I learned, I, I kind of yeah. crash course everything into, into one, you know, those three years. So yeah, it was kind of a, and then of course, even working on my own projects, mm. I, the reason why I call space man is because any kind of space intrigued me at the point of time. Small spaces, big spaces, you know, mm. any kind of space, mm. you know. So for me, you know, when you ever you said, you know, clients came to me, hey, Edward, I have a space. I said, how big is it? Where is it, you know? Mm. So first things first, you know, yeah, I was very intrigued by all kinds of uh, typology of projects. So mm. yeah, that's how, yeah. yeah. That's, that's interesting. I mean, there is a certain, I can feel a certain uh, dynamic for the young, young designers, uh. Uh, there is a fire burning <laughs> and, then, and then you know coming out with uh, along the journey there must be I mean it must be tough especially like you said because I, if no mistaken Chinese they do have six like 996 or 997 perhaps you, you, you definitely more spend more than 997 perhaps it's like four, 4 o'clock you start to work already <laughs> yeah yeah I mean uh, there, was, there were times when my, my wife back then my girlfriend was in there you know you need to turn off you need to switch off you know but I couldn't because Everything was still new to me, you know, and every project was an opportunity. And um, yeah, this is a chance for me to explore ideas, learn more about new things, you know, try, you know. What you see now in this uh, cafe project, you know, this is one of the ones that made it, you know, the countless ideas and concepts and proposals that didn't make it at all, mm. you know. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, the first few years, of course, were, uh, I mean, I won't say it's tough, but it was, it was a fun process and I enjoyed every minute of it. And Without them, you know, those those hard hours and those uh, uh, time spent learning and understanding things to so the practice hours, you know, you can't escape that, you know. It's, mm. To me, it's like sports, you know. To be good at sports, you need practice. So same thing with design, you know. You need to practice till you become better at it, you know. So again, it's a long... Design and architecture, you know, it's a very long learning game. Yeah. You can't yeah. stop learning. So every project is learning. So for us, each project, each material, like you said, you know, it's not about repetitive, but it's just that every time we come across a new material, we we come across new opportunities, mm. endless boundaries and endless limits to the the, the, the the material. So that fascinates me and my team, you know. So we try to push the boundaries and, and as far as, as possible as we can. So then that's why hence you see all these kind of um kind of experimental projects, I would say. Mm-hmm. I, I do agree that, you know, uh, especially in design and architecture wise. Is a long journey because you learning every day and just speaking on material is one thing and understanding the bylaw, the restrictions is, is another new chapter and different places have different kind of uh, law and regulations. So those are actually take time. Um, yeah. So maybe this is actually the last part. I, I'm not sure. Maybe it's the last part. We still have a workspace. After okay, workspace. Session. Yeah. So yeah. The, it, it, when it comes to retail, it's very interesting because I, I think... Uh, one of the questions that I would like to ask is actually searching for the balance between retail and also the creativity because that's where the struggle in a way, I mean, of course, whatever the, the, the projects that was built, it's actually come out of the success in a way that strike for the balance between, you know, because sometimes you don't want to make it too, too retail-ish or commercial, but at the same time, you wanted to establish or express your um, creativity. So 
by experimental store is actually one of the most uh, intriguing one where I can see this, actually this triangle, it brings me this kind of a new exploration of spatial, uh, spatial experience. So Edward, would you like to tell us about this? This is also another interesting project. Actually, we, we completed it in, uh, oh, actually we completed it in January 2019, but the design was actually completed in 2017, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, so that's, so that's client, a long... right. Yeah, so we completed it in 2017, but the client, I think, had some financial issues or some reason, and they put it off for a couple of years. And then they came back to us in the end of 2018 and said, hey, let's, let's get the project back on. Okay, sure. So as you can see from the very um, nature of our client, you know, they, he did not depend on the store to make money. So for him, mm. it's literally a space for him to experiment ideas, experiment uh, with um, um, sales, uh, marketing schemes or events and all that. So hence it's a BY experimental store because the, he himself did not know where to start. He, he came to me saying, that, okay, I have a space, 800 square meters. Uh, I, I asked him, so what, are, what, what is your main products? Um, he said, some fashion retail, some furniture, some art pieces, <laughs> yeah, some. So there are a so lot of mix in products. Correct, and the thing was the brief constantly changed. Every time we spoke, the con the change the brief changed. <laughs> so one time he said he wanted to have furniture pieces. Next thing you know, he wanted fabrics. Then after that, he wanted supreme. And then after that, he wanted collectible fashion items. Uh, or oh, after that, uh, I'm going to do a collection of Air Force ones. So every uh, week it was changing, you know. So it was quite challenging because, yeah, hence the nature of the the client. You know, he he had a very very um, volatile kind of uh, um, uh, mind, you know. So every uh, everything he saw, he wanted to do. So it was quite quite fun, but at the same time, very challenging, you know. Again, you know, not many people can last, can can, can converse with the client for two years before the project kicks off, you know. So it was quite challenging. Then in the end, Supreme yeah. and Beverly, everything inside here. <laughs> so it's, it's an experimental store. So that's why we fragmented. The reason why I came out of this triangle pieces and uh, all these fragments, you know, as you can see, it's like, it's like my client's brain, you know, how I, I, I felt I kind of trans, uh, translated his his brain into a space, you know, because his thought process was very fragmented all the time. So, you know, in and out, you know, um, different niches here and there. As you can see that we have uh, four different triangles, you know, going in and mm. out of the space, you know, the outside is cut with mirrors. So you go inside, you don't see the space next door. You come out again, you know, you, you, you again, you are stepping out of a different zone and your different space again. So mm. it's coming in and out of ideas, different kind of uh, uh, categories of uh, retail spaces. And then, of course, it's flexible enough for him to change every now and then. So mm. it's very much the brainchild of his, his mind and his thoughts. You know? So yeah, that hence this kind of playful uh, <laughs> concept and ideas. Yeah. So all these triangles, it's all niches yeah. that one can use to uh, display furniture, art pieces, uh, all kinds of things. You know? It's quite fun. It's actually a three-dimensional window display display you know we want to invite people in to walk into the display center uh, display window so it's kind mm. of like a, a yeah it's quite fun in that sense so should i say this store also part of the online offline online kind of store yeah 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 exactly exactly so they have a they have an online store that sells all their goods so they they, they occasionally they will do a drop a drop of a new sneaker collection or a new launch or something or so yeah and suddenly they will just change up all the all the displays here. So what you saw here and the bare bricks, when I came back a couple of days later, everything was changed. Mm. My friend asked me, you know, hey, I went to the store. It doesn't look like the photographs. I said, I, I don't know. 
changes every now and then, you know. So yeah, so the the, the mm. time was um yeah every change every changing, you know. Mm. So uh, the challenging thing part about this project is that because the location, uh, is also located in the basement basement one of the the shopping mall in Soho Fusing in Shanghai. As you can see, the back there, you know, at the back of this store, there's actually a raised part of the store that's about one meter high. So it, because it was so high and very awkward, you know, we, want, we needed to create a, a platform for the thing so that we can kind of even out the spaces. So what, what you see is that uh, on the left here, we used about 600 plastic pallets, those yeah. um, plastic pallets that you use for uh, transportation and uh, stocking things, you know, mm. because uh, again, the client you know, had limited budget. So we had to come up with creative and innovative ideas of how to maximize the space and how to use Use the irregularities of the the site to our our uh, to create highlights, you know. So now, so we used over six hundred pallets you know, to create this landscape uh, display area that can be converted into seating areas. Because as you can see, there's a very long passageway of the for, from the middle of the store all the way to the back. It's actually for the class the client to run uh, to do to host uh, fashion walkways runways. Mm -hmm. So people actually walk in and out. Yeah, going in and out. So that uh, display landscape of the plastic pallets can be converted into seating, tiered seating for people to sit down and, and, and view the, the fashion show. So it's like a Lego piece, again, like it's mine, you know, we need it to be very flexible and very adaptable. So mm. it can be, um, yeah, plugged in, plugged in and out like a Lego piece and then converted for the functions. Yeah. I think in speaking of flexibility is one challenge and also the profile of the, the store is quite odd. Uh. It's like it's like cranky here and there. So it's yeah, not regularly right. organized. Correct, correct. Hence, that's why, you know, I think it suits, suits my client very well. Again, it's very fragmented. <laughs> like I said, you know, the, the, the space is very fragmented, you know, all over the, it's all over the place. So exactly yeah. like what my client needs and what he, he I, I think if you gave him a box, you know, he would still come up with something like that. So I think, yeah, this is the, actually the, the best <laughs> space for him, you know. <laughs> I think it's, I mean, when it comes to inside, there are actually a lot of elements going on. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, so, it's not saying that it's, I mean, it's unified. It's, it's still unified by a certain uh, language. Yeah. But even so though again, you know, is, we yeah. use very uh, simple building materials for the project, you know, because uh, again, like, it's like our client is a private client. It's not a big corporation mm. and we had a big space. So we use very um, simple materials. Like on the right here, we use... Um, the, actually, the building materials, the partition uh, walls from the previous uh, um, renovation, we dismantled the walls mm. and we took back the aluminum, uh, the, yeah, the, 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 um, the structure, and then we used it and we created some, some display uh, counters for the store. And of course, we, we offset that with um, some polished materials like the chrome, chrome um, rectangle on top, you know, it's actually a displaced counter as well. So we kind of juxtapose mm. all these very raw elements and raw materials with very polished and refined materials to kind of create a very edgy retail space because they do sell a lot of uh, streetwear, uh, high-end um, uh, fashion brands. So, you know, it's kind of that, that edginess and the very rugged kind of uh, feel. So yeah, we kind of use this kind of uh, simple materials and, and create a very fun, Fun playground of exploration. Uh, it's mm. quite an interesting project. Uh, and then on the left mm. here, you know, uh, the client was saying that uh, I wanted to make the, the fitting rooms bigger so that people can uh, go, two person can go in and take pictures and all that. I said, you know what? How about this? Why not uh, we take away all the mirrors from the fitting room and put the mirrors outside? In, we, we create um, photo op walls inside, photo op rooms inside the fitting room so people can go in and have fun with it. You know? So 
Hence, on the left here is actually one of the many fitting rooms that we have in the space. So mm. we told the client, no, once they go in, people will straight identify this is the store. So that we kind of kind of play around with the changing room mm. um, idea, ideology, and then kind of uh, flipped it out. So the mirrors are outside. There's no mirrors inside the fitting rooms at all. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, it's like, I mean, we, I mean, perhaps that also catered the need for, you know, like social media or, or like you say, it's like a like that previous higher higher um store. It's it's like a different new typology where you need to constantly adaptive to change with the needs of people, how people react to, uh, digital culture, for example. So perhaps fitting rooms will will, will no longer become a fitting room, but rather much more like a showroom ish kind of uh kind of a program. Um, I yeah. mean things yeah I mean this is what I feel I mean when it comes to things uh, how it changed so this is where the so-called the plastic plastic pallets for the transport um, yes, and, and also the yeah, yeah. so um, we used about yeah we used about 600 of them so on the other side we used it to create the platform the display platform and the tiered seating on this side we kind of created this um, display area you know, because the clients again said that they wanted to have a space that they can display um, their uh, sculptures and stuff like that. So yeah, we created this platform area because the ceiling height here is actually quite low. Mm. And uh, so we used it as a display area instead of like a, a, um, a place where the people can walk over. So yeah, so using very simple materials like the plastic palette and uh, frozen tubes, you know, so we created something that was very um, iconic for the space. It was quite fun. Mm, mm, mm. I mean, when it comes to this yeah. one, also quite, Quite, quite interesting. I mean, I ne- I never know that there is a, a wee life. So it's a it's a it's a it's like a it's like a lifestyle store by WeChat. What I would what I would yeah WeChat Pay. So this is actually we life is actually by WeChat Pay. So they are exploring the ideas of uh they call it Wu Rendian unmanned store. Right. So right. People come in. There's nobody manning the store. People you sub you you scan and your your you can WeChat your ID and you go inside. And then you can take things and you can just check out yourself or you can buy online or, or whatnot. So the whole idea is just, of, um, this is actually a pop-up. It only lasted about, I think, uh, a week. So it was uh, quite a, a short uh, process. And uh, the clients yeah, wanted to represent, um, they built the shop just before Chinese New Year. So right. they wanted to represent uh, people going home, you know, on the ah. way home. So they want to do last minute shopping. So that's why, hence, we created this very iconic home uh, um, uh, element, you know, stories representing um, people going home. So they go to this space to kind of do their last minute shopping for their home and buy things. So, so they have their fashion stuff, they have their home uh, home collection, the furniture. So yeah, so it's a very simple idea, just to play on the, the home uh, concept, you know. So it, it sort of reminds me of a life-size uh, vending machine. <laughs> so you just go it in is, and then you, you can take exactly it off. exactly that. Yeah. It is exactly that. It's exactly a, a life-sized uh, vending machine. Ah. You will spot your yeah, yeah, spot on. Yeah, this is very interesting because I didn't know there is actually this. I mean, I mean, I mean, nowadays definitely like like Amazon, they are trying to push for this kind of uh, convenience store, grocery stores as well. But this is a, a a step, you know, like approaching that level. But you know, it's it's more more on lifestyle, and so you get last minute. I- merchandise and all yeah i think it is a very easy concept to follow in china because every everything is online you know they buy everything online and this is what 
uh, years back, you know, this is 2017. And even before that, you know, they were all, all my staff, my Chinese staff, you know, they all buy mm. things from my net. They are, it's very foreign to them to buy things like a um, physical store, a ma- physical a ma- a mattress, for example, or uh, ah. maybe a comforter. You know, things like things we buy from Ikea. I don't know. He said, no, why do you need to carry these things back? Toilet rolls. Uh, never buy uh, these things at home. Uh, yeah, everything's online. So they are used to it. So here, you know, same thing. You know, they do a last minute shopping. They, they scan the ID. Then they just buy it or send it, send it to the house. You know? So yeah, it's a very convenient way of shopping. And it's very suitable for the, the Chinese market. Hmm. That, that, that makes me also wonder, like, because a lot of things already depends on online, where there's almost nothing no other purpose to visit a physical store unless you wanted to experience it and get the dimension feel and also see Correct. the actual things, right? So in yes, these yes. stores, technically, the idea of store or merchandise, or sorry, not merchandise, like commercial, they are technically removed the idea called cashier, right? Yes, correct, correct. Everything, you know, they scan a QR code, they give you a link, you know, then uh, on Taobao, they will all lead to um, whatever link they have, and then you just buy it, and then they send to your house. Mm. You know, so it's like you said, you know, they come in to go and experience, to see, to visually see and, and feel the product, you know, and okay, that's it. And they go home. Right, right, right. But I think the Chinese, the retail market is actually going very much this direction. A lot of the smaller stores are being, uh, uh, they're not opening such small stores anymore. They are going for more uh, flagship stores, bigger stores, experience centers that people can come and congregate and then go and uh, understand the brand and learn more about it then go home and make the decision themselves in the comfort of their own home you know so right. it's, it's very much the, the kind of uh, direction that the Chinese market is going right but I mean uh, I, I would like to throw one question like perhaps it's something related to overall the projects as well how do you see the future of the, the physical store in terms of architecture wise because if we buy from online our understanding or experience is based on where we are living now which is in front of the screen the the, the design element, the environment is not sculpted by designer by, like, like yourself. And especially in the context of COVID-19, how does that, how do you see the future where, you know, maybe things like the mobile, the, the experience store will be more mobile in a way? Because like, you know, I, would, mobile, I, yeah. think, I think that's what the higher, the Beijing higher store works well because um, the live streaming um store the, the concept behind that you know because they want to see someone experience it on their behalf holding oh. the item in their hands you know so and then someone they trust you know a KOL uh, a key uh, person of influence so that person holding it oh okay selling in the idea saying hey this, this this is a very good product why is it a very good product you know so they get that kind of feedback you know instead of like going through re- uh, user review you know they actually get this kind of feedback from these people these influential people so I think that kind of uh, do away with the insecurities of buying things online, you know, so mm. that kind of precates that. But of course, I think the, the, the younger generation, you know, they are very, very savvy with um, social media. They go on Instagram to go and see other users, how they use new products, how they, 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 they hold it in their hands, the size, the scale, everything, you know, or using YouTube to see and, and learn about all these kind of reviews. So from then, you know, you get all this information down uh, easily available in your hands, in your computer, mm. on the phone. So that actually kind of uh, assists and, and helps with this kind of um, retail typology, you know. So by having these uh, online stores and then these flagship stores, you know, people come in one time, you know, they do the reviews or they come and see themselves and then they can really go home and, and, and uh, mm. yeah, do their shopping online in the comforts of their whole, own home, you know, discussing with their, their husband or their, their, their kids or whatever, you know. But yeah, I think 
the, the, the general direction is moving that direction. But of course, there are a lot of um, different kind of products that you still need to go to a shop, like the mm. car, for example, you know. Uh, mm. But still, again, even like a car market, a lot of people are going online to go and see reviews, uh, do right. a lot of research. You know, before going, before stepping in, into the shop, there are a lot of people are actually based on my 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 my, my, my clients' research from Mango Auto Home. They're saying that a lot of people have made the decision even before they step into the showroom. They've already made a preconceived notion that they want to buy this car because they've done that kind of research. You know, and they're not like uh, car experts or anything, so they do not. They are just laymen, you know, so they come in with. That kind of information, knowing saying that oh, it's like that. So maybe yeah, I think that's that's how the, the kind of market is going towards now. The consumer habit is actually changing. You know, uh, people can get a lot of uh, uh, a host of information for the products uh, online. So like they get all the information before they actually step into the store. So uh, people that's why they have all these flagship stores now now because they want to uh, uh, have. The full holistic experience for the brand, you know, from uh, the products to the end, uh, aftermarket service and all that. So, these kind of flagship stores are kind of becoming the new thing. So people come in and understand the brand, understand the products, then they go home and make a decision. So yeah, I think that's where the kind of uh, the market is moving towards right now. Yeah, yeah. I think the moment just now you were saying like, you know, what you have been designed are actually sculpted. For example, like live streaming, it seems to be like the architecture you have designed is also part of the storytelling that even though the customers or the clients, they couldn't visit the store because, I mean, like, like COVID-19, they couldn't visit the place, for example, then uh, sort of replaced by the KOL, like you mentioned, to experience a certain product. Um, now, in that case, the, the interior seems to be like a stage where you bring in the narrative through the screen to the people who are actually watching the, the live streaming, for example. So I think I, I think maybe that comes a little bit technical in a way like when it comes to architecture is no longer designing for for experience. I mean, of course, it is still like a three-dimensional experience, but also when we look through the screen, it seems to be that experience become like a visual, a very visual-based, a very um flattened ex- experience where we really depends on the the visual and also the audio that played out by our mobile or laptop. So it seems to be like there is a dimension play when it comes to designing for live streaming. I, I wonder what do you think so think about this kind of perspective or you know criteria when designing I, I think yeah. I think that is actually uh, still evolving because um, nobody really has it's constantly this live streaming concept is constantly changing the products that they're reviewing is constantly changing as well you know it used to be smaller things you know then we've moved on to bigger things and now they review everything you know now i'm sure you just go on youtube you know you can search for a review on anything at all yeah from a lipstick to a hotel room to a restaurant to a business class uh, uh, flight so you know i think that 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 whole uh, host of knowledge and uh, information that you can get online you know that that kind of it's kind of manipulating and changing the market of uh, or the mm. retail direction, you know. And yeah, I think uh, the briefs that I've been receiving, you know, they are also ever changing. So I can't really say that there's only one specific thing that uh, that will be very significant because yeah, it's constantly changing. You know, things mm. the way they are, the way consumers are, are are processing information is different. You know. So yeah, social media is playing a big part, definitely. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. Later on, maybe we can talk more about it in response to you know, designer practice as well in a, in a sense that how how designers actually designing something so new because before that, there is no precedent study because 
when we talk about museum, maybe 200 or 300 years ago, there is actually a museum or, you know, like there is a things called gallery, but now, nowadays seems to be gallery. It, it, it diverged into multiple uh, trajectories and directions. Um, so the last part is actually workplace and it's very interesting, especially I, I'm more curious on the co-working space, um, especially for designer like you. Um, I'm curious, like, how do you see co-working space evolve? Especially co-working space is actually quite kind of new, but it's not that new as we thought. It's, it's been a, yeah. in the market for a while. And how do you innovate in a way to, to challenge other competitors outside? I mean, not just designers, but also when you are designing for the corporates, how do they see you know, interior design as part of their identity as well. Um, so this is, I would say, it's kind of more luxurious uh, direction. Should I say so? It's much more like... Um, yeah, um, with this project, you know, the client uh, actually are... This is their first venture into development. They are actually called Qingkong uh, Group. They yeah. are a manufacturer of metal. So they are, they are the ones responsible for, you know, the Beijing uh, Nest Stadium. Yeah. By so the Herzog, outside yeah. structure, yeah, the, uh, the outside structure, the metal structure was actually fabricated by them. So they do a lot of uh, metal uh, uh, manufacturing for all kinds of industries and all that, especially building industries. So the, this is their very first venture into um, their own development, their own uh, office space and all that. So the, the, the big boss, he came to us with a very simple brief. He, he, told, he told me up front, um, he's a very simple man. He likes only a few things and then he wants to keep the building architecture that resonates with his corporate and uh, uh, corporate philosophies and how he runs the company. So he wanted very things very clean, you know, uh, emphasis on building materials and constraint into three different colors only, okay, black, white, mm. and gray. Mm. So that, that was one of the key things that he highlighted. So um, a minimalist, con uh, a constrained uh, material palette uh, and of course, consisting of the three colors. So what you can see here is actually um, the floor and the um, cladding of the core is actually one singular stone. Um, mm. The same stone, but used in a different method. So the, the core actually we used um, eight different kinds of uh, finishing mm. to kind of recreate different textures, different finishes, different colors to kind of uh, create a very uh, a tactile kind of uh, uh, feeling to the space. So yeah, that, that's one of the key things that we wanted to explore. Maybe you can go to the next slide. Yeah. Yeah, so as you can see, you know, what we did was that we, we went with a very simple concept, you know, uh, like opening Pandora's box, you know. So it was actually kind of deconstructing the core um, into different uh, spaces. So by opening the, the split, few slits, we allow this white, um, element to kind of draw people into this very uh, textured and very layered stone element and draw people into the core, lift cores and all that. So creating this very uh, offsetting and very juxtaposed uh, kind of material finish and uh, kind of uh, material palette. So from outside, you get a very raw finish, but it's raw and you progress into the building itself, into the core. It's a very serene white finish. So you can see the next slide. Yeah, so outside, you know, this very textured, very raw concrete finish, uh, this stone finish, sorry. Mm. And you can see this very clean slit of white, you know, drawing people in. So this is actually the exit. So you can mm. go to the next slide as well. Yeah, so coming in, you know, going in, the, the white draws people into the, the lift core. And in the lift core here, you can see, you know, this uh, double volume, too high, two story high, you know, very clean, very minimalist. Uh, it's a very clean palette. So people coming in from the busy, 
uh, lobby space coming here is very clean palette, neutral and very uh, zen-like. No? So before mm -hmm. you go ascend up to the upper floors, yeah, you kind of create this uh, very, very yeah, zen-like space before you enter upstairs. So yeah, mm -hmm. this clear contrast, you know, again, very clean, very simple material palette. Mm. I thought it's very interesting because uh, I always thought like cold, like especially the right hand side, this is a pure, almost like white color. What you can see only a little gray is perhaps is the shadow and also the the leaf uh, in, indication and stuff. So it's very cold for me. It's almost like emotionless. But it's very interesting because like you said, it's, there, there's this shift like from a dark color space, go into the leaf lobby, which is totally blank or cold, but then go to the office is create this refreshing experience. Yeah, we, wanted, yeah. we wanted to create a very uh, clean space because, you know, they wanted to get away from the hustle and bustle, you know, getting mm. away from the metro, you know, it's very busy, going to lift lobby, the lights, the materials, you know, it's you know, this kind of uh, generating this movement. And then you come in here, you know, everything calms down, you know, because in the morning, especially, you know, going up there, so the people have to queue up and line up. So yeah. it gives this calming element and gives calming uh, presence in this space before you enter into the upper floors, yeah. you know. Kind of like this washing of this uh, yeah, like cleansing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. That's okay, this is this is the office, right? Which is on top, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this is the premium um co-working space uh, because uh, they really wanted this was back in 2016, though. Many not many office buildings were they had a lot of co-working offices mm. yet. Yeah, but then our client wanted to go and uh, go down that route and explore. So um, back then they were already like you work and all these kind of uh, more vibrant and fun spaces. But because our clients, you know, they're not that kind of creative company. They are more uh, corporate, more serious. You know? So they mm. wanted to kind of represent that 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 kind of side of the company as well. At the same time, of course, adapting that uh, new sharing and uh, co-working space kind of uh, feel. So in this uh, district. Where the building is located, actually, they are the highest um, office tower in the whole location. And hence, the, the boss said that, okay, my requirement for the space is that I do not want the very generic oh, logo wall and the front entrance. So if you come in here, as you can see, you know, there's no walls in the office. Mm. So you come in into a reception area with a very low wall. So the logo is mm. at the bottom as well. Yeah, so the floating, this floating um, white marble con uh, uh, concierge, you know, greets the customers coming in. You know, we have... Um, these two uh, rectangle elements that are floating in the ceiling, you know, to kind of um, zone out these two kind of lounge areas. So as you can see, you know, there's no walls around the whole space. So it's very, very open. Mm. Uh, it's to kind of highlight the 360 degree view of uh, this uh, uh, new development space. Mm. Yeah. So it's Again, still very considered much pilot. more, yeah, consider much more um, luxurious rather than compared to a lot of co-working yes, yes. places nowadays, more casual, Correct. more funky. Yeah. Correct, correct, correct. Because they do I mean they, they, they deal with uh, uh metal and all these kind of things, so it's kind of a more serious kind of industry. So mm. as you can see on the left here, you know, this uh, expanded metal is actually one of their products. Ah. So we actually use um, the expanded metal to kind of uh, line the walls in the, 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 the rooms as you can see on the right as well. So all the rooms are actually lined with their own products. Mm. I see. Yeah, so again, you know, back to our philosophy of uh brand architecture, you know, so we try to understand where they are from, what they do, so they, what they represent, and then uh, kind of uh, include that and incorporate that into the space and uh, subtly sometimes, like for example, this, you know. Mm. So this is actually, um, before we started working on the, the office tower, we actually started doing the sales center first. So all the products here, all the building materials here 
are from the Tinkong groups inventory category, uh, like the catalogs and stuff like that. So from the corrugated metal panels to all the the, the, the louvers on the on the right here, mm. everything was from their factory. So we 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 had a uh, deep conversations with their sales manager, their building material managers, and kind of. Uh, Dug into dug, dug deep into the the catalogs and see what they could what what we could use uh, and then yeah kind of develop the concept mm. space. So we actually, as you can see in the on the far uh, left at the back there, you know, the building actually looked like that. It's a very uh, is a I I won't I can't really categorize what the architectural style <laughs> is, but then yeah, because so I, I, the I, building you used to look like this. Yeah, because I see there's a column here. The the Corinthian ish yeah, column yeah yeah so so it's like yeah so we really touch the existing building so ah so yeah actually we kind of uh, the the design language is actually based on the the office towers architectural language so we kind of used the, the the language and kind of depicted it into this space and then again using all the materials and uh, we kind of wrapped up and created this facade for the space. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is what's happening yeah. inside. So is yeah. it is it like taking so out one, one lot? Before that, it was two lot, is it? Or no? So it's actually just it's actually connected to the back building. So it's like an L L shape. Ah. So we kind of created this uh, new uh, outdoor space by kind of uh, uh, extending cantilevering out the roof out coming down. So we kind of created this uh, little courtyard space that uh, they can use for. Um, um, events and stuff like that. So for launching, because it's actually a sales center, so they do a lot of uh, events for for the new customers to come in and, mm. and hang around. And yeah, so we kind of created this space uh, off the that the old building at the back. Mm, okay. So this is an extension. We call it the annex actually. So it's part of the, the existing building. Okay. So I mean, I mean, it's very interesting. I mean, it's somehow because of the 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 whole working with the same client, but even even you you see this one is like project from two thousand fifteen. And then this one is 16, yeah. and then the lobby is 17. So there yeah. is there is this a uh, very holistic cycle working with the same client, but even though with the same client, but there there are different kind of uh, almost different kind of language that actually imply into different kind of types and uh, program. Um. So yeah, that's all pretty much for the presentation. Thanks a lot, Edward, for your no very very extensive uh, and uh, comprehensive sharing. Now, I think now we will move on to the questionnaires that I, I mean, on and off, I actually chip in some questions along the way. But there is actually a key question I would like to ask now is like, like we mentioned earlier, like live streaming, uh, like new design museum, which is actually quite new for me because before that products, just pure product, they wanted to do online stores or physical stores, the sales, comes as the base, the fundamental function first. And then the so-called experiential stores is kind of new. Uh, I mean, throughout your working experience, like you mentioned, like you did your internship in China before that, do you think it's already emerging, that kind of program? Or is it something very recent, oh, that, like five that, that This is definitely something, re something recent. And I think this is also a very clear depiction of the Chinese market. You know, It's constantly changing, ever-changing. Yeah. So what you see now and you see two years down the road, I think, I believe will be very different as well. So that's actually challenging, but at the same time, it offers a lot of opportunities for young designers like myself, for yourself, you know, because, mm. because there's so much change and everything is new. There's no, there's no need for like a, a, a solid portfolio saying that, oh, I've done this before because there's no yeah. chance for you to say that it's done before. So hence, you know, there's uh, lots of opportunities for young, young firms like myself to go and uh, explore ideas, you know, because 
they have this constant need and hunger for new things. They want mm. the late, the new late, latest of everything. So that gives us a, a vast opportunities out there. But of course, as well, there are a lot of designers there, and it's also very competitive. Mm. But yeah, it keeps. It keeps you on your toes, you know, and it's not like something that you can just sit on your oh, your particular style and okay, be comfortable with. It. You will get left behind. So you know that that kind of that kind of uh, market challenges you and keeps you progressing all the time as a studio as a designer. You know, I think that's one of the key things that I, I've learned and picked up from China. Right, right. So I mean, speaking of like competitiveness and also like you mentioned, you need to constantly up to date. Um, I remember like I was looking at Charles Jeng's Evolution Three. He was comparing architectural style, and every almost every he split it, if not mistaken, is one year, five years, and ten years. So every five years, there is actually changes. I mean, for some who actually can survive, means there every every ten years you need to constantly change. But when come to China market, how do do you think it's almost like less, maybe lesser than one year, or it is still there is a time to. To you know, like a winding, uh, period to change. I'm sure there is um a certain period that uh will have that like say for example five years there will be definitely big changes, mm. but I think every year or maybe down to maybe a smaller scale maybe for months and all that every half a year you know I'm sure there's always new, new things coming up in the new pop ups new cafe methods mm. you know um. I think about、uh, a year ago, my my staff went to Chengdu or I can't remember where he went. And then there was a restaurant that serves burgers, and the burgers were served to you through a roller coaster system, and they serve you to your table. You know,、oh. and all kinds of fun ideas and fun concepts. You know, just ever changing because they want the next best thing. You know, so I I think I'm sure there's that five ten year big shifts, but there's also smaller scale shifts constantly mm. changing, mm. ever changing, ever changing because. Like a high tea love, for example, you know they have started implementing、uh, that that robot system that serves tables and all that. You know,、mm-hmm. um, we live shops, you know, that are unmanned. You know, so they're constantly having new ideas because they are forced to adapt, especially during COVID times. You know, so I think,、um, yeah, it, it's a it's a great time for 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 young designers in China because they 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 want something different every time.、Mm-hmm. And there's no precedence for for the things that they want. You know, because they they yeah. They're just doing something that is going to be copied. Then that's just copied, you know. So they want something new. Hmm. So so now in a way, because we we tend to, I mean, before that we tend to see like 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 designs in China. I mean, this is just some exceptional exceptional designs. Like for example, they bring in like Eiffel Tower in into China. I mean, this this is different because they are doing for tourism value. But now they are seems to venture out into their own direction and language where innovate is. Innovation is a new language because they they technically they have、right. nothing to copy also, so I mean like right, right. Know, yeah, I mean yeah. store a lot. Of, when I I believe the the preconceived notion for a lot of people for Chinese designers is that they they copy and things like that. But I think at the start of the era, you know,、um, people a lot of the designers perhaps were learning. I would say instead、mm-hmm. of saying copy, they were learning along the way, you know. And then once they learn, they have adapted. They understand the know how. They do not not have to conform to the kind of standard of the norm anymore. You know,、mm. they kind of kind of start to venture out into their new styles and their own own kind of paths. You know, that's why you know you look look at all the design competitions now, or maybe all these online design platforms. You know, you see a host of new upcoming the Chinese projects.、Yeah. You know, everywhere, every industry from architecture to residential to to、uh, restaurants. You know, they have a host of their own designers coming up with their own kind of、mm. flair. You know, so、mm. I think yeah, that that shows. The the evolution of the the Chinese uh, uh mentality and mindset, you know, I I believe、mm. it's also with um 
the 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 the, the production of um, um stuff like for example iPhones they used to manufacture iPhones now they have their own brands Huawei mm, mm. I I can't there's a host of these companies that they do their own things uh, cheaper mm. faster or better you know so yeah I think it's the same thing with uh, our market our industry as well for design mm, it's the same mm. thing you know they have learned. They have learned from the uh, the past few years, and now you know they come up to start to do their own revolution and evolution. Mm-hmm. But I wonder, do you think there is a certain like like for example, when we talk about contemporary architecture, uh, we tend to perhaps like link to Wang Shu, you know, or Neri and Hu. This this, I mean, like yeah. already pushed to a global like a global brand. So, but do right. you think there is also a, a emergence in a way searching for China architecture or Chinese? identity like this kind of vernacular or traditional architecture into into part of their uh, working style or even oh there, there is a lot that there's yeah. a lot of new um, studios you know or, or com- design com- design companies like i think it's called arc studio um or um this yeah this new young company you know they they do chinese vernacular architecture you know, but they incorporate a lot of um new ideologies and very very interesting ways to kind of develop that very uh, uh, classical Chinese architecture. So kind of um, architecture companies that are going this direction, you know, very representing that Chinese uh, uh, philosophies, but then giving it a very modern twist. You know? So yeah, there's a host of these kind of new, new aged uh, mm. uh, architecture designers coming up. There's a lot of them, yeah. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to that, it's much more like in a relation to this kind of proximity to relate to the people who actually like when, for example, like the National Exhibition Center, Convention Center, where you adopt this logo as the patterns. So it's very easy to click in a way, okay, I recognize this logo, or I recognize this symbol, and then there is a meaning of it. Uh, and then when it comes to your project, do you see like the elements or decorative um ornaments for example how does it relate to your design in a way do you do you search it from a rather you know perhaps there there must be a, a um, excavation of history or a certain a philosophy to 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 enrich the design narrative like like which you wish to deliver because i think like like i said also the the projects that you have shown um, there is no consistent things because you already like venture into different kind of approach as well so how do you see that you know instead of searching for the so-called local identity why don't create a new identity yeah so i think um what i do perhaps is a very non-contextual kind of uh, design approach you know um we don't really look at for example local local uh, context but we study and focus mainly on the brand itself you know because mm. um, the brands uh, for example they can be uh, from a different town, but they want to open a showroom or a center somewhere in a different city. So, you know, we want to represent the brand holistically and um, show all kinds of elements of the brand. So that's why we, we go, uh, we have a deep dive into the brands and uh, study what the true identity is, you know, mm. thus kind of drawing all these elements and creating uh, our kind of uh, spatial narratives, you know, based on those elements, you know, not mm. so much like, oh, uh, it's just local materials, but for example, the Vasan Experience Center, you know, we, we really went through all the, the, the catalogs of all the daily materials and we use what they can produce. So mm. it, hence, you know, it's a win-win for the client because first of all, we bring down the product, production cost of the construction, right? Mm-hmm. Because everything, all the building materials, 70% of the building materials is supplied by the clients themselves. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you know, it's again, 
what what's the best way to kind of uh, showcase their products is by actually using their products for for the the building materials. So mm-hmm. you know it's a win win. So for us, you know, it's about um, coming up with the most uh, provocative solutions. You know, that kind of push boundaries at the same time. It kind of teases the the, the consumer. You know, say, mm-hmm. hey, you know, I, I never thought about it that way. I never mm. thought about using the materials like that, you know. So mm. yeah, instead of because uh, I know a lot of like Malaysian designers, you know, we were first things first when we brought up studying architecture. We think of uh, understanding local materials mm. or what what the locally what what local craftsmen can produce or what what the local uh, manufacturers can can harvest or mm. or supply. So actually, we are adopting the same kind of mentality for our kind of projects. But our our local context is actually our clients, mm. you know, our, our, our their products. Their, their inventory or, or, or their, their expertise. Mm. You know? So yeah, we have a, yeah, we dive and research based on what they can produce or what they can do or what they want to do and then come up with uh, our kind of uh, design solutions per se. That's why we don't really conform to one particular style or, or anything, but what you can see is that we, we, we try to explore with um, materials and, and textures and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just now you mentioned about brand architecture. It reminds me of this association between the the company identity and architecture or interior design. But when it comes to if 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 I had to separate this into two different things, where in speaking of the corporate brand or the company brand, they are usually already established for some time. For example, like Hire or or Siemen, for example, like those brands already have a very significant signature, like blue color, for example. Um, do you find a certain constraint, for example, you wanted to try out red color, it might clashing with the color scheme or a certain language, like when we talk about higher, it's like more fluish, more, more fluidity, more seamless. And then you try to do something, you know, uh, angular or something edgy, it might be contrast to that. Or, or do you think the, the, the client actually allows for this, you know, uh, juxtaposition to, you know, to promote their brand better? I, I think um, the, the clients nowadays, they are willing to explore different ideas, hence iChar. You know, they, they did not give me a brief based on that kind of uh, context. You know, they wanted something uh, green. They wanted some plants and stuff like that or, or something that can represent their, their tea fields, you know. Mm. So it's actually really how you interpret the idea and how, of course, you translate it into a, um, a design concept, you know. So that actually the consumer can understand that also resonates with the brand. So yeah. like you said, you know, let's say they want, you wanted to go for something angular when the, the brand is well known for something that is fluid and very uh, curvy, you know, but if it makes sense for the space, the context or, or the particular brief or the function, you know, I, I believe, yeah, if you have a strong enough reason, I, I think any concept goes, you know, I think that's, mm. but again, like, like my, my, my story is just now, you know, sometimes the clients, of course, they themselves will back out because it's not what they're used to. That's mm, of course mm. that kind of risk, you know, or for example, BY, you know, when I proposed the idea, he is also thinking like, it's kind of weird, isn't it? Mm, there's, mm. there's no structure to it, you know, there's no, there's no basis to it, you know, it's weird because it's never seen, never done before, never seen mm. before. So hence, you know, there, there, there are those kind of challenges when you, you try to propose uh, provocative ideas, things that have not been done before that challenge the norm, you know, yeah, you might get dropped, you know, like I said, these are the projects that you see have come to fruition. You know, there are mm. many countless ideas and concepts that, you know, you try, but uh, it doesn't always work out, you know. But yeah. to me, you know, as a designer, you know, um, you do have to take certain risk. Mm. And yeah, and then calculated risk, I would say. Uh, with, of course, 
it's extensive research and all that, you know, uh, you, can, you can prove your, your understanding of the brand and why you do it like that, you know, and mm. we do it, of course, within a sensible budget or a sensible way to, to build it. You know? Yeah, I think the client will be a good idea. It's, it's new, it's, it's challenging, it's fun, you know, I'm sure uh, they will go with it. Yeah. I, I, I just have thought like another, like you mentioned, it's about this kind of reflection of, I mean, design or, you know, the interior design itself is a physical manip- manifestation of the corporate itself or, or the certain identity or logo because the logo itself is the much more on, you know, like a 2D representation of a certain uh, a corporate or a company uh, where, where, where interior design is much more three-dimensional and and when it comes to like you say the materials itself, do you think somehow, like for example, we tend to think marble is expensive materials, or tend to relate like timber is expensive material. Um, how do you see like the the quote unquote politics of materials in a way, materials could be looks like, you know, expensive, but doesn't means that you have to be, it it have to be expensively sourced to accommodate with the client's needs. Or do you think you you try to fit in this? Perhaps in 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 uh, architectural education, we tend to think this kind of integrity or originality, where you know try not to use the you know vinyl vinyl uh things. You if you want to use marble, you must real must use a real marble or things like that. I I think uh it also definitely starts off with the first conversation with the client. You know. Uh, understanding what they want to do. Uh, of course, if you can design within their budget, uh, which is not always the case, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's the best because, yeah, I mean, understanding from the get-go what the budget is and what the limitations are, explain to the client, you know, okay, with this budget, you know, we can go with this direction, you know, this kind of materials. And for them to understand it, you know, it's also a, a process. The convincing them is actually a, a, a skill, you know, selling mm-hmm. their ideas and all that. So, yeah, like for example, like um, again, not always. There's always not. There's not always a need to use the most expensive materials to kind of create um, an interesting idea. Mm. You know, of course, there are times when you do need that. But like for example, my BY project, uh, we use very um, simple materials. The the, the plastic palette, mm. you know, that that costs I think uh, fifty RMB for one, and mm. we use six hundred of it. You know, so that kind of um, offsets the 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 thought process, you know, of using expensive materials because the function outweighs that because we created something that is, um, that showcases the display system at the same time can be used and adaptable for their tiered seating and all that. So mm. when they have multiple reasons to, to, to go into direction, you know, yeah, you can always explore these kind of uh, innovative ideas. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, of course, you know, there are times when you can use expensive materials, then of course, by all means, you know, it's always nice to use uh, high-end materials. Yeah, but again, I think it's always starting starting with the conversation with the clients. I think that's the most important thing for especially mm. designers, you know, starting mm. off on their own firms and all that. With smaller projects, unfortunately, you have smaller budgets, smaller spaces, but you need mm. to be innovative, you know. I mean, that's why you need to explore, find mm. out, you know, what, what you can find locally or what, what is uh, available in the market and then kind mm. of manipulating it into creating something unique. Yeah. And and I, yeah. I think, like you said, is to how to convince the client and conversation with client is, definitely something very new in a way especially for graduates you know they just come out from yeah. school it's something very refreshing and you never talk to client in a way because your client yeah. is technically your tutor or your 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 critics um yeah yeah 
I, they are I, your they are your most harsh critic, you know, because yeah. they, they don't like it. They just tell you they don't like it. You know, there's no yeah. of words, you know. But I think this 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 skill, like I said, like 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 sports, you know, you need practice, you know. You there's no such thing as one time, you know, your first time and you get it right right away. Mm-hmm. There's never once when I I go in so confidently and say that okay, it's hundred percent, you know. But yeah, so it's a it's a it's a practice, you know, that you need to constantly do and don't shy away from, you know. So yeah. For me, I think one thing, I think maybe when I was naive or something back then, you know, when I went to my first internship, you know, the, I mean, not first internship, the internship in Shanghai, you know, um, yeah, going into the deep end, talking to the clients, you know, uh, yeah, I didn't think too much about it, but I think that kind of set the precedence and uh, helped me pave my way to be able to converse with my clients, you know, like I said, yeah. I, I didn't speak Chinese when I first went to China, you know, and I had Chinese clients. So that was also quite challenging. Mm. Hence, you know, a lot of my ideas, my concepts, you know, were very nature-driven, you know, because it's something very easy to understand, mm. very easy, easy to explain for me. So I think you need, you need to understand what your, what, what your weaknesses are and what your skills are. Mm. So I, I understand from an early stage, you know, that my, my, of course, my weakness, my, my biggest weakness is Chinese. You know, I had designers that could speak Chinese on, on my behalf, but there are certain limitations because we have such, such short periods of time to develop the ideas. Most of the ideas are in my mind, you know. So when we go to the meetings, the best person to converse with is, of course, myself. Mm. So that's hence, you know, uh, I, I shared previously with you, you know, um, a lot of my concepts and ideas were very direct and developed from like, nature, you know. Mm. It's because it's, it's, it's very easily translated and very easy for people to absorb, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's how um, some of my top process is for, for what I, I've been doing and how, my, my, uh, how I can kind of... Um, I explain my ideas to my clients you know so yeah that's that's one of how i kind of form my ideas yeah i mean uh, i mean earlier when we talk about this idea of nature is a very easy to engage with the client like you said but this what i would call it the idea of taste is different when we are when we are doing like courses in 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 school because our our so-called client are are designers they are lecturers they are architects so their tastes are very inclusive in a way Sorry, very exclusive. But then when yeah, we yeah. come to the mass culture or the people who are actually not study architecture, they might think the, correct, the aesthetic correct. differently. So do you, I mean I mean this is much more my concern is much more on the link between education and practice. Do you think there is a missing link where there is a I I, I when I was looking at some example where one of the articles sayings about future of architects is that the missing link, the commercial language is missing. In a way we I mean, it's not just about making money. It's also how to do communication. So how do you think this is, is, is actually largely... I mean, it's not... I mean, of course, it's not, it can't be taught in, in school, but there is actually a better way to introduce this kind of practice realm into the uh, a school or teaching. I, I think this social skill, uh, if I could, could, could yeah, put yeah. it, uh, it's actually a very important thing, you know, because um, our... our, our work scope you know it's important that you need to be able to communicate and um, talk to your clients contractors suppliers your team you know so conversing is actually very key and um, I think for myself doing my internships in Penang before I graduated then of course in Shanghai as well you know I think for me those were the most um, most informative kind of uh, time that uh, during my learning years you know because I actually got to deal with um, 
real life situations, you know, and how you read situations, read people's reactions, whether they like it or don't like it, you know. So I, I guess everybody has a different way of learning things. For myself, I think the work environment actually allowed me and uh, allowed me to learn the most. So for me, when I went out to the, the, the working world, that's when mm. I really absorbed everything and I kind of yeah, picked up the learning process really quickly. So mm. I, enjoy, and I myself enjoyed that that part of the, the, the my, my, my education more than actually just in being in school. In school, mm. of course, you learn the basics, you know. You have your architecture understanding, your your the very um, ideologies, you form those philosophies, you know, but then when you go into the real world, you, know, you start to adapt them, you know, and how to adapt them. So I think for me, again, I think it's practice, you know, for me, um, if I could encourage the younger generation of, of our current designer students, you know, I think doing internships, you know, going and trying yourself, you know, uh, learning in real life, real life situations is very important mm-hmm. because that's not, there's something that you cannot learn and there's nothing, there's no, there's no formula to it. There is no syllabus to it, you know. So yeah, mm. the more you put yourself in uncomfortable situations, is how you actually kind of learn and experience and adapt. Mm. So for me, yeah, I, I I understand it's very hard for the education system to have something like a course like this for something, for example, because everybody is different as well. How you react to confrontations, how do you react to 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 to, to thoughts or, or people, you know, is different. So every environment is different. So I think. For me, I, I would encourage people to go and venture into internships or, or do part-time uh, jobs in uh, design firms or even even just in the real world, you know, just doing, uh, working in a cafe, for example, you know, dealing with people, dealing with problems. You know, I think that's uh, very, very key. You know, if I would give myself advice as well, you know, my younger self, I would have started doing part-time jobs even earlier, even younger. You know, because, mm-hmm. yeah, not even just in design, but even, like I said, the real-life real situations, you know, because when you you come across uh, difficulty and challenges, that's when you kind of adapt and you learn, you know, without mm. these kind of things, you know. Yeah, and in design, you know, it's it's very harsh. Mm. You get said, you get no a lot, you know, get told no a lot, it's ugly or I don't like it, you know, there's no reason for it. So you need to develop uh, this this thick skin, you know, so that you can <laughs> be able to, yeah. yeah, because that's the truth, you know, you need to be able to have that kind of shield, you know, and, and, and the naivety, you know, so that you can continue to push new ideas and all that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's something that, that can't really be learned in school, but yeah, yeah, you need to go out there and experience it yourself, you know. Yeah. Go out there and mingle around, you know. Mm, the the so-called soft skill is actually the thing that yeah. I, I would say yeah. is like more learning from the street culture. It's like learn, learn from the so-called street university and by reading people and reading um, it's almost like psychological, but it's much more informal and it's much more natural yeah. in a way, what I thought. Yeah. Um, I just thought there is a not, one last question before we move on something casual and informal that because as I look at especially the higher um, experience store, experimental store and also experiential store, it's much more clean and white and there is also there is push for this kind of a seamless design. Uh, it reminds me of uh, you know, Foster Design for Apple Store. For example, there is this uh, sophisticated design. But for me, I think it's nice. But there is actually a limitation where I really can't think of something beyond that in speaking of design. Um, other than, you know, much more, make it more smarter, make it much more technologically, like energy efficiency and things like that to enhance the building performance. Because I think aesthetic-wise, is already maximum in a way, the alignment the you know this kind of uh, grid this kind of uh, partition or this kind of uh, uh, you know what do they call the cutting of different kind of uh, uh, tiles or, or ceiling already maximum um, and, and I'm not sure how do you see in this sense like 
architectural wise the technique already pushed to the maximum do you think is there a space to push on other than you know smart technology or do you think we have to look out for another kind of a quote-unquote style to refresh this kind of aesthetic value I think, I mean, I'm, I personally am a big fan of the Norman Foster design kind of Apple stores, you know, because they, like you said, they push the boundaries of uh, the technical um, um, detailing. Mm-hmm. Um, they constantly improve and they constantly challenge um, all the engineers and all the manufacturers because I think I, I've seen a lot of the, the Apple stores, you know, and um, the detailing involved in all the projects, you know, is it's hard to notice in pictures, but when you see it in real life, it's, it's immense. Mm. And I think it's the same thing with the iPhone, you know. You look at the iPhone years ago, you know, you think that, ah, oh, can it get better? It mm. won't get better, right? But then they do get better, you know, less buttons, less uh, cleaner aesthetics, you know, sleeker, bigger storage, you know. I think they, same thing with the higher, you know, the, the, the philosophy of the products as well. It's the same thing, you know, how they improve on the products is the same for the architecture and the interior design. And constant, constantly push boundaries, you know, with the, especially with the Apple stores these days, you know, they are, they are going forth with the, um, the new direction for the, the Rome store, the one in Rome. Um, mm. They incorporate uh, the historical element into the space as well, you know. So the technology and the historical part combined together, you know, I think, I believe um, technology and architecture will just continue to grow and, and develop and also, we will constantly see new things in that the kind of uh, the kind of approach. Hmm. But I mean, I mean, when it comes to architecture design wise, like for example, like the WeChat We Life uh project already significantly, uh, you know, pronounce a, a a changes. For example, there is there will be no need for cashier. There is a new thing for called live streaming booth or, or things like that in your other project. Right. So how do you see in building construction wise? Will there be more, uh, more changes apart from the speed? For example, like maybe before that, need to install one ceiling. Maybe needs one hour. Now maybe maybe thirty minutes. You can did it. You you can do it already. Yeah, I believe I'm sure you can see. You know, uh, the the Vizino, uh, uh, you know, the recent growth, of course, of the prefabricated uh, building materials. You know, that alone, you know, with three D printing. I think uh, with the new technology, you know, it just improves and uh, allows designers like us, you know, to kind of explore and, and, and venture out into different kinds of things, you know, so that uh, we can try to create new forms, new spatial identities, mm. you know. Of course, like you said, shorten the building period, of course, it helps. You know, for example, what uh, you used to do takes maybe uh, three weeks, but now it, co- it takes you only two weeks or one week. Mm, mm, so that allows you more opportunities and more possibilities, you know. So I believe... With shorten time periods means also uh, cheaper uh, maybe uh, uh, labor cost. Yeah, yeah. Means bringing down the construction cost means you again have more options to develop new ideas and things like that. So I think yeah, this kind of uh, technology advancement you know allows us designers to go and really uh, even see more opportunities and see more ideas come to fruition that that, that could never be done before. You know, yeah. so I think that the, the boundaries are limitless. You know. But I mean, speaking uh, in, uh, specifically talking to your talking about your practice, is there anything undergoing to explore more options or different ways of doing architecture in a way? Perhaps nowadays you you guys actually invest like a three D printing or, or or things like that to explore more differently. Actually, we do have a, we have a couple of three D printers in our office. Uh, we used to do a lot of uh, 
exhibition centers and then they, they wanted a lot of fast pace uh, mm. 3D, 3D modeling but our of course our 3D modeling uh, 3D machine is actually quite small a printer mm. so we do use it uh, off and on but not as often as well but uh, because we do we, we de- it really depends on the projects and the kind of uh, requirements that we have so yeah I think um, it really depends on the, the client's brief and on what what the direction is you know so I think with what we try to do is that we try to explore uh, simple materials as well, not just very high tech or very high end materials. Mm, mm. So as you can see in our projects, you know, yeah, we try to. Not every project is, not every project has a super deep um budget, mm, you know. So mm. yeah, sometimes you know you need to go uh straight down to back to the basics, you know, to kind of uh explore how you can use those kind of uh, materials to generate new ideas, and mm. not just only new materials to kind of generate new ideas. Yeah, so. Sometimes we do have to go back to the back to the basics and constantly innovate and develop mm, new things. Mm. Yeah, so I think our, our our studio, you know, yeah, we do have a bit of both new materials. We try to push boundaries, but at the same time, yeah, more down to earth materials, you know, like mm. wood, you know, um, uh, metal, aluminium, you know, so simple things like that as well. We try to explore and kind of um, see what else we can do with it, you know. Mm-hmm. So thanks, thanks a lot, Edward, for sharing your projects. I mean, you you are sharing both uh technical. Uh, information and also both like philosophical wise and also the lessons you know on, on practice so which I really appreciate a lot um, maybe we can move on to a bit more informal and casual questions before we end this session um, sure, I just sure. yeah so thanks a lot for your time actually um, I, I just wanted to no ask problem. because like you said uh, Spaceman Studio is you know with, with a tagline saying that it's a storyteller of space but when it comes to a, a, a space which which space do you think that it tells the story the most? Perhaps in your personal project or maybe in your travel or your working experience that, you know, you, you have been working in different countries and places, you know, which, which tells you the most significant experience? Um, okay, that's a very good question. Um, perhaps one of this, well, let, let me think, one of the key spaces that or places that I've been to over the years that really... Kind of resonated with me, you know, and uh, I felt very emotionally connected or, or um, touched by the spaces are Alila Villa in Uluwatu, it's in Bali. Okay. Alila Villa, yeah, it's a hotel by Wuha actually. Oh, so I... it's actually a fantastic space because um, they investigated potential uh, the fusion of vernacular architecture with very modernist design. You know, the space combines traditional Balinese architecture and the rural, the rural landscape with the paddy fields mm. together with modern dynamic space you know and, and for me what they created was very very inspiring because mm. you know you go in this the the design detailing of the space then the materials that they use were all very local materials you know so they broke away from the very atypical uh, typology typology for Balinese hotels right uh, but at the same time though they use all the local craftsmen all the local materials, all the, I think it was the volcanic uh, rocks, uh, and they used those local materials and created something that was very, very unique. So for me, you know, the, 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 the storytelling showcasing the, the rich history of the, the location, the, the space, but at the same time, putting it in a very modern composition. Now, to me, I think that was one of the most um, fun and ex- experiential spaces that I've been to, you know, I think the pictures themselves don't do it justice. So yeah, I think that's one of the very fun and very interesting and inspiring, I think, inspiring spaces, you know. Because yeah. for me, you know, that 
it tells the story of the location and the people and the craftsmen and, and the, the paddy field, you know, they, they intertwine the, the hotel into the paddy field as well without, mm. without disrupting the space, you mm. know, and then the, the, the overhang of the, the pavilion mm. uh, over the, the, the cliff edge, you know, it was very awe-inspiring. I think that's one of the, my favorite spaces. I just took my wedding photos there after, I went there for a holiday and I went back again ah. to take my wedding photos there. So yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite spaces. With me, and me and my wife, we, we love that space. Right. That's that's yeah, nice yeah. because I noticed the the motifs like the the timber carvings on top as a wall or something, and then right, perhaps right. many many would actually remember the the slits the timber slits, it's like a yeah, like a yeah. floating slits on the pavilions. That's I think that's the one of the most uh, significant photos as Iconic, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, as I yeah the carv- the carvings you know show so tell the story about the, the, the local history, you know, how, how they used to build the houses, you know, the materials that they used were very, uh, very local, but the way they put it together and the composition was, it's very modern, you know, so mm. for me, that was a very good balance between the local and, and um, a modern design, so for me, I think that, that kind of resonated with what I, I like to do as well. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's interesting to notice the, the another, another pavilions, which is like, they use the column, it's like a cross, it's like a mess kind of columns where like uh yeah yeah so it looks more more slicker okay that, yeah i mean yeah. that's a very interesting project as well okay thanks a lot for sharing on that and also um like like you mentioned you you train as an architect you you receive architectural education um what is your unrealized project or dream project you wish to deliver because as i know i mean for for the listeners if you wish to check out more spacemen you can go and check it out at spacemen dash studio.com they actually do others works as well i mean of course interior designs are architecture as well but they do design like hotel like different kind of uh, buildings um there is one i remember is like a forest like a tree house i, I believe it's a hotel it's all like a homestay or something in the jungle so yeah i i'm not sure about your unrealized project is there any project you wish to do um of course I think uh, in the short term, I, I think one of the my, my goals would be to of course to complete uh, a hotel project. I think that's one of my goals. Mm. Uh, hotel or resort that'd be very fun. Um, yeah, I think that's these kind of spaces will encompass all kinds of uh, industries. You now they have F and B, they have uh, residential, they have rooms, mm. they have hospitality. You know, so I think those are one of the most uh, holistic and kind of uh, fun type of projects that I, I prob- probably every kind of designer would want to do. You know, and of course, maybe if you say, if you think any, even further, perhaps a project that's not on Earth. <laughs> Somewhere design on the yeah, Mars. That, that would be quite interesting. <laughs> why, why not? You know, I think I've seen some projects that they, they, they build on Mars or on the moon. You know, mm. I think that would be quite challenging. As well. Because I, I know for me, you know, I've always been inspired by film, you know. So when you ah. watch a lot of those, yeah, films, you know, you see the, the, there's no limit to it. You know, you can always go as far as you can. So I think maybe something that in that kind of realm, you know, that would be kind of interesting as well. Will, will, will that push your practice to try other idea competition, like design a rocket or design something else? Of course. I mean, I, I mean like I said, as long as there's a space you know, involved, you know, we'll mm. definitely be open to it, you know. That's a literally, that's a space that we are looking at, like outer space. <laughs> okay, thanks a lot, uh, Edward. I think, um, how about, do you have anything to share for the young designers or, you know, for, for the students who are currently studying architecture because before that you, are, you already mentioned a key point which is talks about like social skill and soft skills 
um, other than that, and like, like you mentioned also, try to grab as much as opportunity to work you know, in internship or try to get a taste in a real life practice. Yeah. So is there any other lessons or advice would you like to share? I think um, understanding where your, your skills are and uh, your weaknesses as well, you know, and then of course, translating that into something that can be unique. Right. Creating your own style, you know, that's important. You know? So yeah, but understanding these two things, you know, uh, your limitations, of course, and then you can kind of develop your own uh, path. I think that's one of the key things that you need to be able to do. And, and uh, from an early stage, you know, if you identify this, you know, you can kind of develop it further and explore, you know, of course. And um, yeah, blending this artistic side with a more commercial understanding, you know, I think this is important, you know, uh, as, a, as a young designer, a lot of people don't, don't understand this part of it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think, yeah, these are the two things that I think will, will, will help translate uh, into something that of a more successful career you know? so yeah, I think, yeah yeah these two things will be very important for for the next generation right thanks a lot how how about how about you do you wanted to throw a question to to me or to the list listeners <laughs> i mean it could be an open ending open ended question because since i already asked i mean along the way I, i've been asking like a lot of questions i hope it doesn't uh brings you a lot of trouble <laughs> but i just thought that if no, you wanted no, no. to yeah to, to, to share any questions like for our listeners to reflect on that? Uh, I think what would the future be like, you know, because what we would design, what, what we always wanted to design is something uh, forward thinking, right? So right. I believe um, what's the future, you know, what's the future for retail? What's the future for uh, F&B, especially in COVID times, you know, what's the new norm and how we can kind of create something uh, positive from all this, you know, I think that's the, the key challenge for everyone yeah. uh, in every every industry, you know. So, yeah, like you mentioned earlier, you know, with the, all the live streaming, is that the solution? Maybe mm. not, you know. So, what's the real key solution with the, is it the flagship stores? Maybe not mm. as well because people might go around and come back to saying that I need to feel the, 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 the products themselves or I want to kind of uh, experience it myself. So, mm. so, what is the real solution for, for all these kind of um, uh, issues that, the new, that we, we encounter these days? You know? So, I think, yeah, yeah, um, yeah what's the new, what's, the, what's, the, what's in the future? You know? what, mm. what, what is the future for all kinds of industries? Okay, right. Thanks a lot, Edward. So thank you so much and really appreciate for your time. And uh, we have, I hope you enjoy the conversation and somehow we just <laughs> talk more than what we <laughs> expected. And yeah, I, I actually yeah. thought that, you know, there are actually more questions to ask in, I mean, in, in, in practical sense, but I, I guess next time we can catch up again, we can talk more about it. Uh, I yeah, really hope all the best to you and uh, take a great care and be safe. Uh, and, and I can't wait thank to you, see you too. And, and, you too, Yeah, I can't. I can't wait to see you maybe meet up in China and then we can go around and see some great architecture around. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, you're more than welcome to. When I get back to China as well, you know, now that yeah. I'm stuck here, you know, yeah, yeah. When I finally get back, I'm, I'm sure that uh, I'll be more than happy to host you in China. Right. Thanks a lot, Edward. And uh, I hope you have a great time and uh, I'll, I'll check out with you and uh, talk to you then. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Gary. Thank Thanks you. a Bye -bye. lot. See you then. Bye.